Right, welcome to the Ready Podcast. It's uh, Tuesday the 28th of April and um, this is where we get together and get to know our members a little bit more and with me today is Guy Carter. How are you, champion? Yeah, good mate. Yourself? I'm very well. Um, coronavirus, I'm asking everyone, how's it affecting you and how are you coping with everything? Yeah, I don't have it, so that's a good positive. <laughs> that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's a good start. That is a good start, so probably a little bit late to tell me now if I did. <laughs> um, currently working from home until, I guess, things do change. Um, we've got an office that's probably about 200 people, so we can't go back there until the, until the stages have been you know, downgraded. Um, but basically in isolation as, as everyone else is. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, eat, sleep, train, work, all from the same spot. Yep. Have you been working from home for the last like six weeks, the same as like the gym's yep. been closed? Since the gym shut, I think they had about another week where there was limited people in the office. Yep. Um, they, they were given the option to either choose to go in or not, and then it comes to a stage where they just said no one, um, just to minimise the risk, because if it went through the office, one person got it, it was everyone touches every door, Everyone touches, you know, and if someone coughs or sneezes beside you, you really can't kind of, your desk is there. You don't get an option to walk away and leave and things like that. So, yeah. 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 So I think they minimise the risk but by getting ahead of it early. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're lucky enough that with the, with the company we work, I work for that we can work from home, majority of the people. We've got a system that's in place that yeah, we are able to, so. Yeah, that's good. I think so many companies and businesses are going to operate so differently um, on the other side of this, they can realise that, okay, half of our workforce can work from home and... And you find a lot of dead weight too, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the other interesting side of it. And you see that where you can do things, you know, you don't necessarily always have to go out to site for meetings and um, yep. a lot more... Uh, <laughs> you could probably do things just via phone call or email, but yeah. then sometimes now the reaction time is a little bit less. So I'm working on a hospital's contract and the hospitals have gotten busier in the current environment and they expect our reaction time to be as quick but it's not yeah where you just you don't have that interaction where you're in an office where you can turn around and ask someone a question it's a it's an email it's a phone call that might be an hour long i uh, sorry take an hour before it gets back to you mm. so that's why that's that's the difficulty i'm finding okay but other than that i enjoy it I'm, yeah i wake up at 6 59 i'm at work by seven so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite good so yeah <laughs> and, uh, train, one minute and yeah, you're at work they're a little bit earlier actually which is surprising so i don't really get to many places early as you've found out over the last year yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you do have that uh rolling in at five past ten five past, past the start time <laughs> exactly i usually just give that to John as a buffer so he can try to <laughs> mentally prepare himself in the morning so I don't think John and Shay are quite ready for me at 10 past 5 yeah to bo- <laughs> I, I think what compounds it is you come in and it's like hey guy hey going hey hey how are you yeah good how's your day and it's like far out there 15 minutes has gone by and yeah that's it it's um it's not like you just walk in and just slide straight in and Oh, no, that's it, yeah. But it's yeah. like the, the conversations the, that go on. To get down there and then it'll work your way back up. Yeah. And yeah. then it'll yeah, start hooking into a, to some conditioning class with the boys and revving them up and yeah. figuring out who's not there and get on the messaging. <laughs> yeah, give them a rev up. Definitely. With um, coronavirus, is there anything in your life that you're going to change permanently as a result of this? Probably wash my hands more. Yep. Um, it, it's hard for me in in that with that question i guess because i'm my work is centered around the new south wales health contract with prince of wales sydney eye so even when i was still going to site you're at the forefront of it and mm. you're kind of seeing 
you've seen how much it affected people there and how much all systems and process procedures and everything change but then also you're in the best place to work at that stage like yeah they put in another additional 500 hand sanitizer stations around and and that's going to be a permanent thing mm. so i think people are going to adapt to that um i don't know so i heard someone say the other day the handshakes might be trying to become a thing of the past but yeah. I don't know about in our culture that will happen no I don't think so I think we'll get to a, back to a point where Jesus we can shake hands yeah um, some people won't yeah um, I, don't, I don't mind bowing actually yeah what's your thoughts on this because like, uh, I actually thought this the other day how long would it be till we get back to after a class we do the high fives again because some people are going to be, no, I don't want to do that at all, yeah. like ever again. Um, and then there's other people that, you know, don't don't mind. You might have to go to a sticker system, you know, green sticker, you can <laughs> high five, red sticker, you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think coming out of this, like, yeah, just on the same, you know, more attention to that hygiene of, yep. you know, you take for granted before this about, um, you know, what you touch and everything, but... Um, personal. I think it, it just a whole lot of things we should be doing anyway. Exactly. Which is your personal space and, and yep. washing your hands before and after you do things. And, and I guess public spaces, which are, what is the highest, like, which where you contract, you know, l- large areas of congregation, you know, you're touching yeah. all the same doors, yep. bits and pieces, money. I think the highlighted thing about cash. Yes. Also, which is like, I know uh, Switzerland was trying to go cashless a couple of years ago and... You know, obviously because of like the tax evasions and other things a lot, but that's a main, that's huge. Yeah. Petrol uh, petrol stations, the Vowsers, you touch that. How many yeah. people touched that before you did? Yep. So that, that was something that they highlighted at our, at our work, saying, you know, mm. if you're going to fill up a car, try and take a glove with you or, mm. or something like that. So. Yeah. I think definitely everyone will be carrying sanitizer in their car because you're, you're right. Yeah. Actually, I've been conscious about, you know, yeah, the petrol pump. Mm. grabbing that and then going in and paying it uh, like what you actually are more conscious of what you're touching yep definitely yeah. I've, I've even you've gone into some places and says no cash yeah and you're like oh it's awkward to pay with cash now like yeah. I remember I had cash on me the other day and they were like oh uh, can you pay with cards <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> just take it it's money <laughs> take my cash yeah take it just. <laughs> but no that that was something that I think they are highlighting all the areas that are going to be major transfer yeah areas you know things you do touch and yeah everyone else touches yeah do you know anyone that's contracted it or had it um no i don't know anyone that's had it i had like two of my team leaders down at the hospital um they were cited f- they thought they they did have it they went into so you get tested every day with a with a, um, like a thermometer gun um I think they do a couple other bits of tests on you and they had to go into like a screening room um, and then one of them, their temperatures was over. Mm. So they, they instantly sent those two guys home. They had to come back for a test later on. They got stood down for a week. Really, um, a week? Yeah, I, I, was, I think one of them had it was three days and then the other one had symptoms longer, um, but that was the closest we had as, as a company. Also, there's a thousand people in our company uh, Australia-wide and they were the only two and I think because they work, they were working at the hospital. Um, and it was quite eerie from the. They felt uncomfortable with working in some of the places they had to because they were testing rooms and things like that. And, yeah. Um, but they make you know, they're all sanitised everything like that. But you still, how do you instill confidence into your guys when I'm working from home, sitting behind my computer? Yeah. And I'm like, oh hey, can you go do this? Or you got this job? And they're like, oh, I don't really want to. And yeah, like yeah, I know. So that was that was hard. But yep. other than that, there's no one I know. I think out here, everyone's pretty good. I know. Yeah. Where. For a lot of my friends who are in trades and and 
which is majority of probably out where we live in mm. Western Sydney, that hasn't really affected them. Yeah. If anything, it's been easier. There's been a better run to work with traffic and um, uh, more ac- more accessible to jobs. And people yeah. are, I know for some commercial companies, like people aren't in buildings, so they're actually able to get into office spaces and do those jobs that bigger companies were meaning to do that you normally do at Christmas time because no one's in there. Mm. But you're able to do them now. So I yeah. found that some companies have... Um, especially some industries, you know, have, have, have benefit. Oh, sorry. What's the word? Haven't benefited. And I guess the other ones have skyrocketed. Yeah. 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 It's definitely those that companies that can adapt have, have really taken the opportunities that will come for them are going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah. And like I was saying to Sam on Saturday, um, some people and some companies it's like, yeah, things have gotten better. Yeah. And nothing has changed nothing has changed or got better or it's collapsed and collapsed there's nothing and there's no income and you're <laughs> like it's, it's really it's weird. Certain industries I guess that rely on that. Mm. Um like entertainment industries and yeah. areas of mass congregation and things that yeah. um you rely on on having people around or your industry like mm. Uh, catering and and all things like that. Yeah, gyms. Gyms. Where you rely on people coming there every day to one spot. Yeah, and then and then there's other people. I think that will come away from it and go like, this is this has happened once. If it happens again, what have I got in place? Mm. You know, the government can't. You can't always just expect the government to bail you out. There will be some people who maybe make a bit, maybe career decisions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or try and have a second kind of game that just helps them a little bit maybe it's a little hobby type job or yep yeah that you can help so i think it will and people have now have time to do that at the yep. moment yeah so maybe that little side project that you couldn't do you know put a little bit more attention to and do it so yeah that's what i've seen some of my friends do so yeah yeah, yeah it's good oh, it's definitely uh i myself i've had so much time to think and like i felt vulnerable like the business is shut yeah like sure. and you know yeah, unless the job keeper allowance came in, yeah, you've got you need six months worth of savings to get to live. Yeah, um, exactly. I didn't have that, so yeah, it, it actually makes you think about you know what what are you doing with your life? And do you have enough to get through something like this again? Um, you know that feeling of vulnerability. Um, People should come out of this better. They should with a bit more direction anyway. Yeah, I think because if it happens once, it can happen again. I, I don't think where we live. We've been exposed to it too much. What's mm. the Spanish flu hundred years ago? Yep. So it's really not been in the forefront of anyone's mind. But over right. in countries in Asia and in parts of Europe where they have had, you know, pandemics before, they're a bit, maybe a bit more adapted to it or yeah, or accepting. Yep. Like a, we actually just spoke about it just very briefly. I you know listening to a Joe Rogan prod, podcast and you know we're actually getting a slight taste of what it's permanently like in some countries that you just can't go to the supermarket and get whatever you want or the government like communism yeah, yeah. The, the government says you can't go there or yeah. you can't congregate with whoever you want it's just a taste of what other countries have permanently yeah massively yeah so we are lucky here yeah it is i, I think like i mean i've adapted pretty well to it mm. i feel like if you if you sat around and you and you let it get to you then that's just your attitude in life in general i think like yeah. i think that day i left here at ten thirty, and the gym shut at 12 o'clock and then by the next day, I had gear and my gym, my garage gym set up, and mm. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a week or two or three. But yeah, you know, I wanted to facilitate that for for myself as well as um, 
a couple of my mates that could always come around to train and you got um, to adapt yeah and work put things in place as well and like i like to think that i really didn't i've had I haven't had a day off i haven't i've really just had to adjust to the i guess the circumstances and then yeah, yeah. just keep moving forward yep I walk my dog a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> he likes it. The dog's loving it. Actually, actually I don't think he loves it too much. He, he doesn't even really want to talk to me anymore. So I've been home for six weeks now. <laughs> he what went, kind of dog you got? A little French bulldog, a little Reuben. Oh, Reuben. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Oh, he surely he doesn't walk far. No, nah, actually, it's, it's good that I've got a dog that I can run faster than. So he's good for about three or four houses because he ran away the other day. Uh, but I think he ran out of pace. So, yeah. yeah. So he's a British bulldog? Uh, French bulldog. French bulldog. Yeah. So I actually, um, he came with a house. He's my he's my landlord. So I bought a house in December, and the lady who I bought it off couldn't take him to her new property. She she was moving in with her son until her other house got, got built. Yeah. Um, and she had no one that could really take him. And I lost my French bulldogs the day before the last comp we had. Oh, so yeah. it was like a bit. It was, I thought before once, the birthday bash. Yeah, before the birthday bash. Yeah. So he died. Um, like cardiac arrest and um how yeah, old was he three years old the, oh wow those uh, british bulldogs and french bulldogs and i think pugs and that they have a, a respiratory problem because their nose is so flat and yep. and so thin and when they get like uh i guess bronchial problems yeah um he would been running around all day um because we live on th- well, lived on three acres of my family and yeah and i think he just got to a stage where he just it was a really hot day and hyperventilating and, and then just couldn't catch his breath and yeah, he passed away yeah i guess it's funny how things worked out because then i bought a house and then there was this little French bulldog there on the first day I rocked up and I was talking to her, the lady about it. And then the next time I seen her, I said, look, rather than you try and find someone to put him or because she was going to take him to a, uh, like a pet retreat, which is like a kennel. And and I, she didn't know it was going to be indefinite until, well, to me, if you're going to build a house now and you haven't bought land, you're two years off. Yeah. Minimum, oh, especially yeah. in the current environment, minimum. Yes. Yes. I suppose, especially council and things. And I said, leave him here with me. Mm. Like, and I, and I was kind of looking forward to having like a little little mate. That, a bit of company again. Yeah. yeah. And because he, he actually turned five last Saturday, uh, as I found the lady messaged me, but he, an old dog, and he, he kind of can't teach him new tricks in a way. Like, he's very stuck in his way, and that's his house, and he's demanding. So he will like stand at the back door with his head against the glass until you let him in. <laughs> <laughs> and then, he, and vice versa. When he wants to go out, he'll just stand there, and then he barks at you. And, and he's just—he's. I think being home all day now in isolation has given me a chance to know him a bit better because yes. I haven't had him for—I've only had him for six months. And as you know, I'm, I'm usually here by quarter past five every morning. Yeah. And I don't get home till six thirty at night, so I miss out on seeing yep. him quite a lot. And then now having him all day there, he's got a funny little personality, and it's yeah. good. I enjoy that. So I think. Yep. I think everyone in, in one way or another, whether this isolation with their families, people connecting more with their families and, and being home a lot more and, mm. you know, asking, asking the, the person next to you how the day was instead of just sitting, you know, getting <laughs> home at night, eating dinner, going to bed, which many of us do, many of us do especially younger people. Definitely, mate, yeah. I, it's, I go through it now. You go home and some days, it, like, it's just peace because you've been with people all day. Yeah. But, yeah, you're literally, you, the only company you have is in your own head. Yeah, massively. And if you're not in a good mood or, or if you are in a good mood, that determines your night. Yep. Because you've got no one else to say, um, you know, don't want to sound like you're miserable or lonely, yep. but it's um, having that other person definitely does help to bounce. Yeah, yeah. Bounce. How exactly. your day was? Yeah, off. for sure. Mm. I think, and then sometimes I think like that's what sports and, and training, and that, that's another avenue for that too. So, definitely. You know, usually it's the first thing I'll see in the morning is here. 
and there might be the last thing I see before I go home. And yep. some, oh, you see me probably come in in the morning, bounce off the walls, and I'm, very rarely have I come in in the afternoon. Usually if I've been sick or something, you'd be like, oh, what's mm. wrong with me? Everyone thinks the world's crashing down around me, but yeah. I still come here and train. I just don't talk to anyone. Yep. So, yep. But that's very rare. But, uh, yeah, like, I do get what you mean in, in that. And I think Ruben having that little little something there every day does, does help. Is he uh – a loud sleeper, as in... I snores, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, so a <laughs> uh, little bit of trivia. So I've got um, sleep apnea. Yep. And I sleep with a, um, a CPAP machine. Yep. And so going through the whole sleep study and then diagnosis and then, you know, how to how to fix that, the specialist was saying to me that 100% of British and French bulldogs have sleep apnea and a lot of the studies in how they're trying to find a cure for it is done on bulldogs. Yeah, right. Because they, yeah, they have sleep apnea. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, um, he's, <coughs> when, I, when he sleeps, he's always, he's just asleep for a while, but I, you could do hear him snore and things yep. like that. So. Yeah, and that's, so dying of heart attack and yep. respiratory issues, that yep. is that's that's part, of it. part of sleep apnea is it's, um, you know, it was something like 40% higher chance of a heart attack once you turn 60 of having, if you have sleep apnea. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's just that, um, so yeah, British Bulldogs, French Bulldogs, they're- They got that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can take him any night you want. <laughs> you do your own little study on him and listen to him. I'm sick of hearing him snore. Uh, no, does he snore or is he like a choking sound? No, he's a little snore. Snore? Yeah, yeah. you can hear him, yeah. yeah. And he's straight up in the morning when I am too. He's looking for something to do and yeah. I'm like, mate, I've got to go to training. Just yeah. to, uh, Does he cut. sleep a lot, do you know? Yeah, like, I think you, you wear him out, he sleeps. You wear him out, he sleeps. Yeah. I've been walking him three times a day lately, so. Yeah, because part of sleep apnea is, um, that's why a lot of bulldogs, they, they sort of snooze a lot. Yeah. Because they're, they're constantly tired from... Yeah. That sleep, the the apnea episodes constantly. Yeah, gotcha. So they're never truly. We never truly in that REM sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, which is another thing, isn't it? So how's that all going for you? You sleeping better? Oh, mate, like yeah, hundred percent better. So before the diagnosis, I was having uh, 52 episodes an hour. So every minute or so. I was my airway would close and I would stop breathing and then there's then the mechanism would kick in and say hey you're not breathing and yep. dump cortisol in stress you know yep. wake me up subconsciously my airway would open and then it would slowly relax again and that was happening every minute yeah well um so and I used to fall asleep at traffic lights at 9am. I used to need a sleep during the middle of the day. I was just constantly woke up tired. I was, you know, moody. Just, it's, um, I, but I thought everyone lived like that. Yeah, That okay. was normal. Yeah. Then once uh, I had the sleep study and then um, with the um, CPAP machine, I now have four episodes an hour. And mate, it's like me when I come here and train. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, my clarity of thought. I don't need to sleep in the middle of the day. I've never. I, I can drive now without falling asleep because I used to. Yeah, wow. Like I'd have to. I'd get so sleepy and want to, like, but just driving to Newcastle. I I could. I'd have to pull over. Cause that it was really bad. It's that bad, yeah. Um, but now I could drive to Queensland fresh. 
I think not that's fresh, but you know what I mean? Like it's such a difference, mate, in my life. Unbelievable. It'd be like the first week coming back to training at 5am in the morning. Yeah. I live in the grass here. <laughs> I might fall asleep a couple of times on the way here. I'm getting quite used to their sleep-ins. Yeah. Part of me that wouldn't mind it going through winter. Yeah. Because that, that last year when I started doing conditioning early in those 5.30am yeah. on the assault bike in middle of winter, what, what hell. Horrific. Yeah, it blows that cold wind straight up into you. Yeah. And you see John in the corner laughs at you. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you think, what the fuck am I doing here? Uh, hey, um, where'd you grow up, man? So I grew up in Londonderry. Yeah. Uh, did. So, well, yeah, grew up there. I was When I was born, my parents lived in North Richmond. Mm-hmm. And I had it back on Pex Road. They built a house out there. Okay. And then... I spent the next 25 years in Londonderry. So yep. I've only just flown the coop recently. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a bit of a change. Yeah. Did you did you have property at Londonderry? Three acres. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, How old were you when you moved there? Sorry? Uh, four. Okay. Yeah, just around four. Yeah. So because I went to Londonderry Primary mm-hmm. and then I went to Richmond High. Or Richmond Grammar, as some people like to call it. Richmond Grammar. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yes. <laughs> I say that, people are like, oh, it's Richmond High, even though it is that. Richmond Grammar. Yeah. From now on, that's what we're going to call it. 100%. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. no longer Richmond High, I like that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the, the peak of education around here, so yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, three acres, it, how did you find that growing up? Loved it. Yeah. It was good. I think it was at a time. Well, I guess we're probably the last generation to go through about technology mm. really, really accessible. Yep. So it was motorbike riding. Um, my, my parents always had like horses and, and, and things like that. So we always we had paddocks that we could, you know, build jumps in, mm. um, forever just playing outdoors, yep. uh, which was good. So yeah. and then we also lived pretty close to um, like the drop zone out the back there. So you could yeah. sneak on your motorbike up, the, up yep. there where now you, you wouldn't run the risk. Yeah. You know, so they... Things like that, which is good. I mean, mm. I've heard a few other people on the podcast talk about that around my age. So mm. they talk about that last year of riding your bikes and doing all this. And actually, it's kind of it's been comforting this bit of isolation, seeing how many kids are actually outdoors now. Hundred percent. Is it that because you're told you can't do something, you go do it? Yeah. But there's these two kids who live on my road, a couple of doors down, and some of the boys that train with me now still set at eight o'clock in the morning they're on the bikes yep and they're still on it at five o'clock at night until the mum calls them in and they've got these little makeshift jumps and they're at eight o'clock in the morning they ride all day and i'm like how good is that yeah you don't see that anymore no no i think i think there's just time to do it and people now it's sort of forcing people to take time to do the basics in life yep there's only so much you know, YouTube or whatever it is, like the kids or yep. the games and that you could play. But I think the parents are also home a lot more now to look after yes. the kids. Yep. So they're where that eight hour random day they might have had by themselves. Now it's five days a week that parent might be looking after the kid and they tell them to go outside. Mm. That's what I'm seeing just in the neighbourhood that I live in, in the Grass Hill. So yeah. it's good. Yeah. Enjoy seeing them outside. Yeah, mate, it's great. I, I'm, I mean, I'm from an era too where, um, you know, our whole childhood was outside. There's, there's something to it. Yeah, absolutely. And the people that I've spoken to in this, those that had a little bit of land too, a little bit of property, three acres, five acres, yep. ten acres, loved it. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a bit of freedom. When did you get your first motorbike? Uh, what, about five or six? Yeah, five, okay. Yeah. So I had motorbikes on and off until I was in the high school. Mm-hmm. Um, got into wakeboarding, uh, yeah. which is through friends that had boats. and We always water skied and then um, the cable park at Penrith. Yep. Uh, got well, reopened. I had a 10-year hiatus. Mm. Uh, I got into that probably when I was 
18, I think I was at left school, and then started riding competitions. And um, I won an Australian amateur competition one year there at a, at a comp as well, and then went on a trip overseas to the Philippines, which has got some really good wake parks. And so, yeah, that was a pretty good... For, for wakeboarding? For wakeboarding, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of led into all that, and then that was about five or six years. Probably, I think... CrossFit kind of took over that. It was where I was doing that every day. It was just something that all us, all like your friends were doing. Um, you got to see yeah. your mates every day. You could ride, even though it was a predominant summer sport. You still rode a bit in winter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you know you just you hell bent on doing that full time, and then yeah. something else comes along like a CrossFit, and I feel like now a lot of my attention, like I come here, and it's it's what I enjoy doing at the moment. So yeah, yeah. A little bit more forgiving. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. A little bit more a forgiving. A little bit more forgiving. Yeah. Were your parents into? Bike riding and wakeboarding, or uh, how did you get into? So my, so my stepdad, uh, very good water skier. Yep. Um, my mum could ski, but wasn't really her forte. wasn't into it. But motorbike riding, the same thing. And my parent, so my mum grew up on a driftway. Okay. Actually, I think my, I think they got about ten acres there. Yep. So always yeah, that if when you got that many acres and, and yeah. a farm, like my dad and pop still live there in the same house, and they've still got all the animals and, and everything as well. So. If you have access to that as a kid, especially back, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that's all you did. Yeah, yeah. So you can see London Dairy becoming like Richmond's getting bigger. Yeah, it's slowly creeping that out. That big servo, um, you know, on the the big roundabout, Northern Road, and it's about McDonald's. Yeah, it's gone McDonald's. Into, yeah, I think there's a McDonald's at every end of London Dairy. There's what there's yeah. Richmond, the Bly Park. And then the one up the other end of London yep. Road, so yep. it's too accessible. It's just, it's just going to be that little pocket where sort of urbanisation yeah, is going to start to. But the, if you look on the, there's plans for the freeway to go through there up over the mountains, which is something that mm. I don't know you see. Look, there's a bit on social media about it. There's some groups trying to stop it, but I don't know what, how long that's. Yeah. What the plan is there, but that's meant to run straight through the heart yep. of, of London Dairy off the M7. Yeah, so yeah. I think the M7 is going to extend and then take a left around Landilo and run along the Northern Road all the way to Campbelltown. Yep. And then also keep going up over the mountain. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be, that's knows. a huge project in the yeah. future. But yeah, that's the, um, I guess that's the plan for London area. At the moment, mm. it's just a little pocket of mm. rural areas. And yeah. there's quite a lot of housing developments that have gone up in the last five years that you never even thought they could fit that many houses in there. Like, yeah. like that used to just be where we used to ride bikes and, have a little push bike jump tracks and yep. and now there's you know ten ten units there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So did you ever get chased by the cops around there on the bikes? Motorbikes? Yeah, they made me walk my bike home one time. <laughs> and they, they said that if if they was if they if they come back and caught me riding it, they were going to take it. And uh, I remember I'm getting far off in the distance, and I decided to side saddle it just so it looked like I was. Yeah. I was still kicking my legs, so it looked like I was pushing it. Yeah. So, but I was too far away. But yeah, I ended up getting home. And once I got out of sight, I just I, I gunned it home. But um, it was, once or twice, I definitely got chased, and, and they, they did catch me. So yeah. But I got away. With, but now I think they'd probably take your bike. Yeah, they would. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it was me ever. It was when you. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Because yeah, I, I worked at Penrith. Oh, yeah? Were you a, were you a dirt bike? No, no, no. Because no, no. they were in the drop zone a heap. Yeah. So my time at Penrith, I was in an anti-theft and drug unit. So yep. we did a lot of search warrants around um, Penrith, Landilo, uh, St Mary's, um, Cranebrook. Crane yeah. Yeah. A lot of pot. Um, and, you know, there was, you know, fair bit of ecstasy getting around back and and a few labs at that time yep um 
But when we were bored, we used to chase trail bikes around just for a chase. Just for a bit of fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just for a bit of fun. Like, nothing ever serious come of it, but... Um, well, usually it was, it's just harmless kids. Yeah. And that's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. So we'd be in You'd an... Be bully. We'd always be in an unmarked car. Yeah. So it was... You could get actually pretty close up and then... But would that be in the rural areas or would that be more your, your, your Cranebrooks, your... It was more the outskirts of Cranebrook. It yeah, was, I was going to say, but they're going down, they're going down yeah. the average road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with, with a pair of thongs and, and uh, yeah. some footy shorts on. I'm, yeah, no, definitely not in the bush. Yeah, because those are the ones, that, them guys actually, they can ride pretty well. So mm. I've got a couple of mates who were in the motocross and yeah. they thought they can get away, but you know, they, they're on a bike all day, every day. That's their job. Yep. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a bad job if you were into that. So. Man, it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Just chasing around on a trail Ch- bike. <laughs> 100%. Um, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a sister. She's three years younger than me, Gemma. She just had a uh, baby boy, actually. Okay. Yeah, so her family's great. Uncle Guy, that's it. <laughs> the, the good uncle. And I've got, a, uh, <laughs> I've got a younger brother, Bo. I think you've seen Bo. Bo's come here a fair few times. Yeah. The illustrated man. Yes. Um, yeah, so he's... He finished up playing football this year. He started his own started his own company as a carpenter, gone out by himself. And fantastic! I think like, he's always been into to, to sports and played pretty high level football. And um, now he's I've slowly convinced him to come across into CrossFit. Yep, and he loves it. Yeah. So he's just gone online the other day and bought you know a, a barbell and some weights, and he got a rower as well yep. the other day. And because he doesn't know how long it's going to be over as well, but he's working yeah. big days, so some days he can't make the class. And but I think it's it's good to see him. Still, still, I guess uh, have an interest in, in sports, even yes. though he gave away the other thing and, and wants to and wants to better himself here. So mm. at twenty years old, it's, it's crazy not to. Yeah, because he was at Penrith, was he? And Penrith, then, then Roosters. the Roosters. Yeah, so Roosters first. Yep. Um, Roosters, then he played up in age. You know, the rep size, and then in the twenties, and then come to Penrith, and then yeah, once he was, he kind of finished out his time with Penrith and some Marys. Yep. So I think he will go back, but going out, starting a business by himself in the current environment and then the floods and that happened and then not, not having work and and then it was kind of I think it was too stressful for him yeah and yeah. now it's, he's had a bit of time he's had a couple of months to breathe and then he's still working now and the, which is good because the carpenter they can go to work as yeah. essential guys and so now he's kind of got it all figured out and he's enjoying his training again which yeah. is good to see so as an older brother you want to you kind of don't want you just we want him to do something. You don't want him to just go by the wayside. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, Did you ever play rugby league? Yeah, I played rugby league. I, I started at Windsor mm-hmm. um, with Aaron Hanfield. How old were you then? Uh, played soccer from maybe five to ten and then football onwards. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was a bit too uh, <laughs> too much contact in soccer, so it was, it was a natural <laughs> regression. Um, <laughs> and then went across to Windsor and I was at Windsor for a few years. And so then you played with Azza, eh? Played with Azza, yeah. And then this is where it gets interesting because I went to some areas as Sam Hollis would talk about. They were the, the team that won every year. Um, yeah, so you were in that St. Mary side. I was at, yeah, I was a little bit older than Sam. Yep. Some of the guys that Sam spoke about, yep. um, your Greg Waddells and, and, and that, that. I played with those guys. They were, in, they were my age and they were phenomenal. But we went across and I think I come to a side that won six years in a row. Mm. Um, I was probably the second white guy on the side as well actually which made it interesting so yep. but uh, to, to Aaron and the rest of the guys I was a turncoat so uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> still wears me up about it now uh, yeah then uh, we won a couple of grand finals and then Windsor actually come up into our division which is division one which is Aaron and Lock and Coot and some of the other local guys like that yeah how, uh, old, how, old, how old were you then when they come up when they come up I think 16s okay so I'd won two grand finals three grand finals with some areas and they come up 
and then the next year they actually beat us in a grand final. So that was huge because like I was I was marked man. Every tackle Aaron would give me a face massage, ears pulled. You name it, hair, everything. He just wanted to line me up every time. Yeah, so, yeah. And the crowd were giving it to me, and you know, you're wearing the wrong colour green and <laughs> things like that. So it made it interesting for a couple of years. It was always I the bet. most heated match. Yeah. So off the kickoff, you knew they were kicking it to you. Yeah. Every time you got the the ball, it was just it was a pile on. So yeah. yeah. What what position were you mainly? I was lock, hooker, and then kind of went to five eight every now and again. But yeah, yeah, I've been the same size since I was sixteen. So yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so I made a good lock. <laughs> what um, did you? Was that your favourite position? Yeah, lock? I love lock. Yeah, yeah, defensively, you get a lot of freedom playing in that position. Yeah, and you get the best of both worlds kind of you do, like yeah. you can sort of when the going gets tough, you can just dig in there and and do the hard yards for sure. And I was better defensive player, and I think that. Um, being a small uh, white guy, a lot of Penrith was, is full of Polynesians that they'd they'd always just tend to pick you out and run at you. Yeah. So I copped a lot of traffic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of forces you to um, it forces you to defend, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. You've got mm. no choice. Mm. Some of that'll go stand out the wing. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you uh, did you win any grand finals? One six lost one. Yep. Yeah, so it was good. Got a few jackets. Unlike Sammy, he was almost the opposite. <laughs> the opposite. I was having listened to it this morning. I thought, oh, that's, it, it is polar opposite. But yeah. um, I think St Mary's did have that notoriety that they did stack a lot of their size, full of rep full of rep players. Yep. Um, the only reason I went across there is I got asked to go across at a young yep. age and I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. In hindsight, I probably would have been better off staying at Windsor because when you're around 15 rep players, you don't stand out quite as much. Yeah. As if you are around two. <clears throat> Yep. three yep so um, did you have aspirations of going further yeah I think I did yep um, at one stage yeah when I, when I went for like the New South Wales school boys carnivals and things like that they were mm-hmm. all it was very good like you're around some like late players and a few little squads here and there but I just think that going across the some areas didn't really ever it probably was a bad move in the long run it was good to get a few jackets yep. and win a few grand finals, but yep. um, I'll be, some of the best years of your life also. Like, so oh, the guys 100%. There, yeah, they, I played up until I played up until A grade, had a few years off and went back and played uh, a little bit of uh, Sydney Shield at Windsor only yep. a few years ago. And then um, I've boxed also just on and off over the years, keeping fit, fitness. And um, I've kind of thought, I oh, know I'm going to give that away in there. And I stayed boxing and then I found this. I found CrossFit Arete. So, yep. yeah. Cool. So just kind of stayed active. Yeah. Like I enjoy this. And this is the closest thing to uh, football <coughs> and a team sport you can get mm. without having to, I guess, to go out on the weekends. It's just the training aspect of it is like that. Yep. You know? Yep. I, I definitely feel, and I think that's my attraction to CrossFit has been, the. I feel like I'm back footy training um, yeah. around people that want to train. Um, it's hard. No, it, definitely. You know, you can. And it's banter. There's banter. It's competition. Competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah you feel good. wrecked at the end of it sometimes. Definitely. Um, there's some skill involved in in moving your body. Yeah, massively. I think it, in CrossFit, it, as a as a sport, does demand a lot from you, mm. and it's not for everyone, mm. which is like other sports. And I found that the difference between going here to uh, a global gym. Is it anyone, you, you pay money to use the equipment at other places where here you pay money to join like a culture, like a society. I think it's, and they're, they're all like-minded people. Like for, yeah. I think Sammy mentioned it, a lot of people in here are successful, have their own businesses. Um, they hold themselves at a high level 
and to be around that, you need to hold yourself a high level. And yeah. If you're not a motivated person, you're not coming here at five o'clock in the morning getting on a salt bike, and that transcends to outside of of, of CrossFit. Yeah. And I, and I think there's some people that 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 weren't maybe that per, that person, and they've joined, and that their whole life has changed. I've mm. seen that quite a lot. And yeah. Yeah. I think a lot. I think every, that's human nature. I think everyone has it in them. They just haven't found that purpose to bring it out or yep. and then all the right environment to bring it out yeah. of them. Well, yeah, who you hang around. Yeah, exactly. If you're coming here twice a day, it's, it's your decision-making is going to get a lot, lot better and it, what this demands of you physically and mentally, you know, mm. that's gonna, that is going to transcend outside of, the, out of you. Yeah. I think that since I started here, Mike, uh, I got two promotions at work. I bought a house. Uh, I think my friendship group got stronger. Yep. I got more clarity in myself. So, yep. yeah, so I yeah, it's good. Yeah, it does. I think you start to make, you know, different decisions in your life in terms of once you get into routines and you start enjoying yeah. aspects of your life and then they start to feed each other. Especially, like, I really enjoy it. I think, like, as you yeah. know, I come here twice a day yep. and, and I found something that, because I do have a tendency to have like ADD. <laughs> yeah. all quite so I've got a fair bit to ask around this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, it, it feeds that energy. Yes, and I, and I do go home at night. And I sleep like a baby because I think I just I run myself right all day, and then yep. I turn up again the next day and I do it again. And yeah. I found something that matches the, that that does feed what I need. Where, what does motivate you or inspire you, or where do you get that from, or um, where do, where do you get your energy from? So if, I think from being younger, my stepdad has a hell of a work rate as a human. Like he just nonstop. He's doing something for someone always. He's at work. He comes home. We've got a couple of acres. So he's always working around the house. And if I'm going to work, you're going to work was his attitude. You know what I mean? You're not yeah. sitting at home. And, and you can say that my younger brother and my sister as well. I think he just instilled that into us from yeah, a young age. Yeah, because Bo looks like he's on the go all just, the time. Yeah, and, and that's from – I think that's from my stepdad. Like mm. and he he's uh, – you remember him from, from the uh, UWS gym? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was the, always – he trained every day. I think he's trained every day for about 30 years. Yeah. Um, just – he goes in, does his bit and goes home. He's healthy, he's fit. He's – what is he? He'd be 50-something now and he's probably got the, the best set of legs on the horse. Like he's just <laughs> – he's just a real. He's still going to the uni gym? Him? No, he's at any time now. Okay. Yeah, I'll try to get him in here a little bit. Yeah. I, just, I think he's uh, he's worried about his gymnastic skills. So <laughs> <laughs> I've, caught, I've caught him on the, the clothesline a few times trying to do some toes bar, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, nah, he's uh, – I think we got it from him and then uh, – <laughs> Toes de bar. I just had a mental picture. Yeah. We do a toes de bar on the clothesline. Yeah, no, nah, I, I propositioned mum about that, but she wouldn't have a bar of it. So. Yeah. Uh, but, no, nah, we definitely got it from him. And then um, because he was always going to train, he took me to the gym maybe when I was 15, 15 yep. or 14. I think we – if you remember back in the day, you can come with your parent if they yep. signed. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, I just started training with guys that I went to school with and – um, playing right. football demands quite a lot for me, and as you get higher up, you, it, it, you know your training increases, and and being around those guys, and, and I like the competition. I think it pushes, it brings the best out in people, and it pushes you to the next level. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's, and that's what this does provide it in here. Mm. You know, it and learning, like there's you get good at something, you can always do something, the next thing, the next level, or yep. ten more, or you can all, and that's that's where wakeboarding was quite good as well. Yeah. So if you land the trick or you learn, okay, you can add another spin, you can do another flip, you can do this, you can do that, but it just, I don't, that's never ending. Yes. Yeah, and it's very small progression. Yeah. And um, I think like once if you also have your friends stock, that's what happened over there. A lot of the guys just kind of the, the crew fell apart. Everyone got a lot older and stopped riding, and it wasn't fun anymore. 
Yeah. 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 And I was still training on the outside. So I think this taking over that was it gave me that outlet where it's like I see my friends every day here, plus I get something good out of it. Mm. You, know, you could say it's an addiction. Yeah, there's there's always something that you can improve on. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't matter what what you're doing in here. So, okay, if it's uh, your gymnastics, there's always something more to that skill to hone in on or, you know, if it's an assault bite, there's always more calories you can get in oh, a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, war balls, there's always um, you can go faster and, you know, all unbroken longer it's just it's just endless and if you're willing to put in the hard yards you you do see progressions mm. pretty quickly like i think yeah benny maybe a year now year yep. just over and it's like the and you see a lot of people even the guys i train with most mornings like like chris hopper's lost 30 kilos Mate, and just some of those guys are going through through the roof of their training and the things they couldn't couldn't do yep and that now they can it's, it's like it's you enjoy seeing that yeah i think yep. you feed off other people's energy as well yep as much as probably they feed off mine in the mornings because I get them out of bed some mornings in the group chats and the phone calls yeah. and but I feed off theirs I couldn't do it without them it sucked when I did probably three weeks here by myself conditioning last year and then all of a sudden they started building like a bit of a crew and yeah and and now that you know we all feed off each other which is good yeah so when I speak to those fellas they they almost feel accountable to the group um, and they love it so much. And then they, you know, you have your group chat throughout the day and yeah. what he's doing, where were you this morning? So yeah, they feel they feel like they're a part of not only CrossFit or Edie, but, but also they're a part of an, a, a little group that motivates them. Yeah, exactly. And like they were, most of us were just kind of like average Joes that I guess wanted to, to, to train harder, train a little bit extra. And we've got that now. And, like you're right if some guy misses they apologize <laughs> and half hour later or they you know there's a phone call to him and everyone everyone tees him up and it's yep. good and i think having that i'm scared to not come <laughs> out of yep. fear that they're going to give it to me so yeah so i turn up every morning there's some mornings i don't want to come yeah but i know that i cop it worse because i'll give it to them harder than, than when they don't show yeah. up so do you feel a responsibility to them yeah, yeah. absolutely mm. yeah I, I definitely do and it's, it's good and especially because you do see them some of the other guys who didn't really come from a sporting background are just the whole life's changed now and yep. you know they're going leaps and bounds which is awesome so what how did this make you feel so we would before we so we'd open up at 5 30 um and then you know people would do their own conditioning and then we'd have that one 6 a.m class yep so when i was coming in and doing those 6 a.m classes people were coming in at 5 30 and they'd come in and they'd set up their rollers or their bikes and they'd just sit there and, uh, hey, what are you doing? Oh, we're just waiting for Guy. <laughs> and, then yeah. you'd, and then, like, they're just sitting five there. Minutes late, like, and then five usual. minutes late, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You rock in, you put the music on and away you go. And, and so you started, they would wait for you. And yeah, that's like, cool. you almost become like a little leader of that, that yeah. group. <laughs> that's did, it. What, did you, what do you think of that? Oh, that's cool. I, I think I, I enjoy that, that That's that they actually wait for me because you don't get that a lot. Everyone's mm. on such a tight schedule these days and sometimes though, the boys come in a little bit earlier, but I think it's cool. It's a, it's a mutual res- respect yeah. in a way. Like, they, they they feel motivated by you. Yeah, yeah. And I, but I, but to, for me to come in too, I get motivated by them, by them, for seeing them here. Like it pushes me to go harder. When I think when I first started doing it, there was just a couple of us and then Aaron Hanfields and, and, and your quadrios and that come and it's like, oh, I need to step up now. I need to, I need to get more cows. I need to be quicker. And yep. I think it's part of the reason why all our training kind of, you know, our levels of fitness 
increased dramatically. There's some weapons we in it. here. Yeah, <clears throat> that's it. And you come in the afternoon and then you see the other guys. And yeah. you're like, wow, like it's just a – you're forever – like, how you say, like trying to improve because there's someone that does something. Yeah. They're better, and you're like, oh, you don't, you don't ever get jealous. You're like, oh, I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. Why? Because well, I can't. And then once I learn to do that, I want to learn to do the other thing, and mm. it's good. I enjoy it. Yeah. Have you ever considered coaching or getting yeah. PT? Yeah, I think well, I spoke to you towards the end of last year, mm. and I spoke about going and doing it, and and then uh, the next Sydney course was the one that James Clark was going to go do. Yep. COVID happened. Yep. I think everything's been put on ice until then. <coughs> yeah. um, I think they, they probably won't come back until next year. Um, definitely keen on that. And I would – I mean, I, I, love, I love my career. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I think I'd like to do maybe one class a week just so I have that – Yeah. just to stay in touch with doing things. And then eventually later on I, I would love to, to, to go into a gym, to, to own a gym. Mm. Um, obviously where my career is at now and I've just bought a house and things like that, that maybe another 10 years or so. But yeah. I think that it's – it's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. And if you like, I really enjoy going to work, but having this also. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's your hobby. If you could turn your hobby into a, to a job at some degree. And yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you about work and, and all that in a sec. Um, what, how did you hear about us and CrossFit? And, uh, so, uh, so like, how did you end up we had, coming here? Which <laughs> I think you got shut over Christmas in 2019. 19, yeah. Yeah. And then James Clark still was coming to any time. Yep. And he come in and James Clark's always been a big man, but he never had an eight pack. <laughs> so where'd you get those from, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, like, oh, we do CrossFit. But I had a taste of CrossFit at another gym previously, a couple of years before, and it wasn't, the, the, I think just the environment wasn't, well, wasn't quite this. So my taste of CrossFit was like, oh, like, I was like, oh, it's cool. It's all right. But yeah. it was, it wasn't as, it wasn't as much gymnastics or cardio or conditioning and some of the stuff we do here. And the wads weren't quite as inventive. And yeah. um, it was just a hell of a lot of like Olympic lifting. And, and it wasn't what I was really interested in a couple of years before. Yeah. Um, and then James was like, oh, come give it a go. And you guys opened up and I think I walked back through the door and he's almost well over. You're like, oh, <laughs> you the prodigal, prodigal son returns. Because <laughs> I used to see you guys in WS and Yeah, yeah. Cause I, hadn't, I, didn't see, I hadn't seen you for quite a while. Years. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think at the time you were mainly doing boxing. Yeah, mainly doing boxing. So yeah. I finished football and just was doing a bit of of. Uh, Where were you boxing gym. at? So I, I boxed out, of, still out of jab out over over at Penner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very good gym, very good trainers, yep. good guys. I think that over the years I've just kind of always done it as, as more of a um, to stay fit type thing, and I, I, I do enjoy it. I enjoy mm. sparring and things like that. So uh, break my nose twice a year I was meant to go back and fight after finishing football yeah um, so I just put everything you can't spar you can't do anything like it's kind of like a bit of a bump on it now as you can see through there yeah break it one way and they broke it the next way so <laughs> evened it out yeah evened it out I thought it was going to look like Owen Wilson <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Blake Ferguson lately oh, yeah Jesus like a dog leg with a par nine yeah <laughs> uh, if anyone doesn't know Google Blake Ferguson Parramatta Eels check out his nose horrible eh yeah almost does a U-turn on it <laughs> Comes back down, but he can't get that operated on until he finishes football. Yeah, yeah. So I had mine broken quite a few times, and I've got this as you can see. Um, And that was, um, I I couldn't breathe out of one side of my nose, and it wasn't until I finished football before I went and had all the reconstruction done inside. Um, And this is as best as what what it's going to get. Is that? Does that play part with your sleep apnea at all? So at 
back then, so I'm talking 15 years ago now, and I I I thought that I was sort of so I, I never really snored but I was like always making this choking sound yeah and so I thought it was not getting air through that my nostrils because it was um so badly broken from yep. football but then once I got all the surgery and then allowed it to all settle down the issue was still there so it yeah, wasn't okay. um mine was just like I can breathe a lot better now when I'm awake yeah um because of that but yeah, the, I had to wait till I finished football because, you, like you know, with boxing and football, you get you're getting hit in the nose and we broken noses all the time. Yeah, yeah. so um, high impact. Yeah, but no, that's that's kind of what happened there. I still go there. Like some days, I'll finish. I'll finish work, go there, and then come here. Yeah, maybe three or four times a week. Yeah, it's gotten less. As I guess with the new role at work and things like that, because work does demand quite a lot for me now yeah so with, with the activity that you're doing each day how many calories are you going through do you know or you just you. you just eat no not, not even don't? Really, yeah not i mean i do eat a lunch and that but i don't i can't really eat before training i feel like i'd i get sick yeah especially going there because i found i can box and then come here but i can't go here and then go there it's, right it just this demands a lot, a lot from you a lot, like you're a lot tired like your body's tired after this where mm. there you might go and it might be just like a you have a straight cardio day and they'd be like, all right, there's eight Ks, go run, come back in, yep. skip for 20 minutes, then do a bit of bag work and then you go home. So it's yep. structured differently. Yeah. But I enjoy it. And I guess like like here, it's an individual sport, but over there it's even more. Yes. More so individual. Mm. So everything is on you. Mm. Where here, you know, you, you can do your partner things and you can slacken off. But if you slacken off over there, you're going to get hurt. So Yeah. Have you had any... Um, just, amateur or Just when fights? I was younger, just yep. a couple of um, uh, the what are the exhibition things, but uh, yeah, but that's about it because I was always playing football, so I was never. It was more to keep fit in off seasons. Okay, so yeah, yep. no, I'm, I, my goal this year until this all happened was to to do two comps with CrossFit and then yep. do maybe two fights. So that was yeah, and then now that's all been put on the wayside. So yeah. I like to have that diversity. Yeah, I figured like if I was really fit at one, I'd be really fit at the other. Mm. Um, it's just I got to go down to seventy six kilos. Yeah, in boxing. Yeah, where because um, they What are you weighing now? Uh, Eighty two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you can get down there, mm. um, but it's just I mean before before isolation I was sitting around eighty. So same two eighty three. So yeah, yeah. I I've never I don't know. I've never really experienced weight cut in boxing, yep. but I've experienced it to do powerlifting comps. Yeah. And so people that I've been around and, and myself, I've never experienced it or seen anyone weight cut and perform well. Yeah, there's definitely an art to it. Some of these yeah. guys will weight cut, they do like a fan and weight cut, cut all the water out, seven, seven or eight kilos, and then weigh in the next day and they put five kilos back on yeah. before they fight. Yeah. So you're not fighting the same person that weighs in that I've seen. It's not so much more so for what I've experienced, more the boys over there, but you do see what they go through and it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they do it you know, three or four times a year, five times a year. Mm. And then they don't, it's not, it's just like a, it is a water cut for them. Yeah. So, so you don't, yeah. I think with strength sports, they yep. say lift weightlifting or powerlifting or strongman. I think it really hits you hard Huge. if you, um, you know, your weight cut. But boxing, you might be able to. Yeah, I think there's some of these guys, especially the pros out of that gym there. They're so used to it. Yep. And they're like, they've got to cut ten or twelve kilos, and they're like, 
you know, some people don't lose that in a year mm. and they'll lose it in three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. you see, like, they, they do, they're moody and they're forever, they're running and it yep. does the man a lot from you. Yes. But they want to get down to that weight to fight at that weight so they can, it's easier for them or. Yeah. Yeah. Just yep. size difference, body types. Yep. So that's another thing with CrossFit. It's not, it doesn't go on your weight. Mm. So, you know, I'm, tell you, I'm 82 and. I've got to clean 100, that's 20 kilos more than I weigh, where you got yeah. some of these bigger guys in here who clean their body weight, and it's like, oh, no, that's 100, 110 kilos. Like, yeah. I look at that and go, wow. I'm like, oh, hang on, that's, yeah, that's their, their body weight. You should be able to do that. Yes. Yeah. So, you know. What have you found most challenging about CrossFit? Like, um, probably the weightlifting, because I've never been into it. Yeah. Uh, the Olympic lifting. Mm. But then also, I never put any time into it up until probably recently. Yeah. yeah. And I think now having a a, like a garage gym just in isolation and I've I've, I've really um, I guess honed in on trying to just trying to get better at that yeah yeah so I've got like a little um, a little chin up bar and things like that in there and but like standing there every day and, and going okay I'm going to work on my snatch and work on my cleans and things like that like I want to come back better from isolation I didn't want to yep. to use it as like I want to sit around and Know, do burpees until the cows come home. So, yeah, yeah. Which is what a lot of people are. But I, I did took an, I took initiative and I went out and got some gear and I turned around like, okay, I want to get better. Yep. So because not every, I mean, not every day you get to come in here and it is bar work every day or you got to do mm. a lot of it yourself. Yeah. Because you got to counter for everyone. Yeah. So I think too with with weightlifting is what I found um, and you know what got my respect for it was you almost got to. You think, oh, okay, weightlifting, I've got to increase my strength, but it's actually you've got to work on your mobility and flexibility. Technique. And your technique first yeah. before you – because the strength's there. Yeah. It's just people can't get into positions because they're not – they haven't been working on their mobility. Yeah. Um, so starting off by focusing on mobility and then flex, then you become more flexible and then, you know, then the technique becomes a bit more – yeah, honed in, and then the the strengths just because people go once they get their mobility flexibility sorted and their technique okay the strength just goes like it's there. Start getting like great increases. Yeah, there are some of the things like even like cleaning where Ash one day is like, oh, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I bounce off my hip. Yeah, it's like yeah. Is, is, <laughs> you guys really mean to bounce off your hip. I'm like, I watch a video, you do this. It's like, no, I think it just looks like you bounce off the hip. Yeah, but I was trying to bounce it out and. And, you know, like I was not working at all. So yeah, yeah. that's why I could never go any higher. And yeah. like, how long have you been doing that for? I'm like, oh, since maybe January last for, year. Forever. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the things are that way, I think you, you maybe just, you don't ask for help or you just go along doing what you're doing. Yep. But then not until you put a little bit more attention into it, you're like, oh, it is technical. That is a little bit easier, which yeah. is a bit of advice. So, mm. yeah. Do you think you'll put off um, your goals, say two comps and two boxing um, um Two fights until twenty twenty one. Yeah, well, I just well just everything's, well everything's been suspended. Really, yeah, I don't think this year will be no, any yeah. events will happen. This year's a write off. Yep. So, yeah, um, I mean, you'd be lucky to get something out at the end of the year. Mm. I know some of the boys are talking about doing the Bay Games and yeah, uh, Quadrio, Aaron, mm. myself, and Logan. And I know that is it. Brad, Tommy, who else is in that? There, Brad, Tommy, and. I think two of the other boys, Jake, oh, Jake and Braden. Braden. Yeah, so that's later on in the year. It'd be mm. cool to get a, a big crew of everyone to go down and yeah. get a fun. And um, but that's like that's best case scenario. Yeah, I know yeah. that they're not just going to let everyone go straight back into. You know, yeah, I think if they're going to, you know, uh, like I was saying before, for us to then to come in, open the roller door, and say, okay, 
back to normal classes, I don't think that's before September, October. I think there'll be a really controlled stage by stage, stage by stage. And yeah. I don't think we're going to see spectator events until there's possibly a vaccine or yeah. it's so manageable in, in the community that they'll well, allow that to happen. Well, people will be shy to, to go out to large. Yeah, like it's still present, I guess, to a degree. Yep. It's not just, go, oh, okay, it doesn't exist anymore. And I think mm. people will be um, maybe second guessing going to larger events and things like that. So yeah. spectator events might be... Not so much that they might they might open it to spectators, but you yeah. won't you won't get a large congregation of people who yeah. attend. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, mate, I'll, once we're open and ready to go, the Aridi Throwdown will be back. I don't on think and- that'd be a problem. I think everyone will be straight <laughs> back in here. So it was actually a bit of a tease having it in here today. Yeah. I was almost going to tell you to take it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually been it's been strange being in here and yeah, has not the same activity and the same energy yeah um, it's good to see that that everyone's still there's a community around around like the, the business or, the, or CrossFit or eat whatever that it is that yep. is still so heavily involved in, in all social media and it'd yeah. be interesting to see this would have happened prior to social media yeah and you're saying oh just watch everyone maybe just fall away and then hopefully pick up the pieces back after it yep I think it allows everyone to still be in touch and, and check does. in and yeah. it gives you, you, your coaches another avenue like for a um to, to still have a job. To still have a job, yeah. yeah. To, to still pay yep. bills and things like that. So yep. I think yep. it, it's good. Like if you if you try and um, – you can try and turn, a, uh, I guess, a negative into a positive in some yeah. way. Yeah. Not just throw your hands up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like you said, like we're – I guess it's the businesses that have put the work into relationships and have, have a community that will survive. Yep, yeah, um, for sure. On the other end of this. Um, with work, what do you – what do you exactly do? So, electrician by trade. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, I kind of just uh, slowly, um, I guess, worked my way up in positions. And then I got into automation. And then from there, I went into fire automation, uh, which is a commercial. So, your, your larger buildings and hospitals and that all have an integration system that, you know, in the event of a fire, certain doors have to open air conditioning systems have to shut down, fire brigade has to be called, and it's all electrically uh, programmed certain ways. And it is, so there's big companies out there doing it, and I work for an engineering firm, mm-hmm. and they look after, they've got some big big contracts uh, yep. nationwide. So um, I kind of just went from one position to another, and then I took a couple of risks, and I ended up where I am now. And I'm a, I went across as a project manager um, on the construction side of the business, and then... Um, I kind of fell into a position as an as an account manager, which is a bit of a step aside, but it's more client facing based. Um, you look after a lot of the contracts, the ins and outs. So, for instance, we've got a five year contract with, with some of the southeastern Sydney hospitals, which is a big collective group of them, and you know, they're you got the the service and. Um, the maintenance and it's a compliance driven industry it has to comply with Australian standards oh, otherwise yeah. it do, for insurance reasons it, it, it's not covered and, and things like that so and compliance is always changing mm. the environment's always changing and things yep. like that so and then I look yeah so I'm a, currently a project manager slash account manager for the company and I really enjoy it I think you go from project management to people management and I think that suits me so oh, I think people management suits you I love you, it yeah. you, you know you're not shy of a conversation and you're not you know you you're happy. Like, I want to ask you, you never seem negative or you never seem down. Yeah. Where you always seem positive. Do you, so, is yeah, is always, that conscious? Um, 
Where does that come from? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is conscious. Like I just one of the boys, even I was talking to one of the boys the other day. Like this whole situation happened, and by twelve o'clock next day, I think I had an assault bike, a rower, gym gear. There's no days off. Like yeah. If, if, I, if I sit around and, and, and I let things get to me or situations get to me, the, the, the world goes on around you. Mm. It doesn't stop. It's not stopping you for anyone. You can sit in that corner for three days and it, it, that don't stop. Mm. So I think that's having that and having that work rate and that work ethic that you just keep going. Yes. And then it's, you can only do, although you can only do what you can do, there's only 24 hours in a day and I think sometimes work does demand quite a lot from you, but if you break it down into small pieces and, and you just achieve things one by one, and that's and having that positive outlook, I always mm. try and and that's why with the boys especially too. Like you know, some days no one feels like training, and you, you jam up, and, and everyone comes in around you. But I also feed off other people's energy too. Yes. So I try and I think I try and create a positive environment for my friends and my family, and then yep. when they're happy, you're happy, and everything works like that. That's another yep. way I look at it. Yeah. Have you ever had anything in life? happened to you where you it's it's sort of given you a, a a perspective on just be positive in life um i, I think like yeah like you the, i guess relationship breakdowns and, and things like that and and you know you think it's if maybe your first breakup you think is the worst thing in the world yeah and, okay. the, and then you know <clears throat> six like three months later or something like you just couldn't care and i think having older friends yes looking at something that I think someone, I can't remember. Someone told me years ago. It was like, "What you? What worries you now? Would not even be a blip on a radar in ten years." <laughs> yeah. And that was like so true. You look at it now and you think, but then your whole world when you're 19 is this. You yes. Know, when you're 25, it's 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 dramatically increased, and then when you're 30, it, it's well, not 30 yet, but like it's it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger in yeah. perspective, and yeah, a lot more to think about. I think you stop being so self-centered. Yep. So, yeah. but you, but that's you where you that's where those teenage years and everything that's where you're fun and you, you you're able to make those mistakes and and well not so much mistakes but you're able to make those decisions and the consequences aren't quite there. If you stuff up when you're 28 or 29 or 30, you know that you got more responsibility. That everything else is that, is um mm. is possibly at risk for that. There's so. more consequences. Huge. Yeah. 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 And they can the consequences can be bigger. Like you might have a family. You might have a business. Well, you accumulate things over your life. Yes. It's, it, and that's whether it be relationships or material things. And, you know, when you're 17, you're just fresh in the world. Like you mm. go to primary school, then you go to high school, you're new, and then you go into the workforce and you're new. And, and then from there, you just, every year, it just seems like, you know, I bought a house now. I'm like, yep. okay, I've got to learn to cook. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it just, everything's just new constantly. And I think I enjoy learning. Yeah. I really enjoy learning. And that's like with the podcast as well. Like, yeah. I think after you leave school, if, it, like I went and did a trade. I actually went to university first, so I studied forensic science uh, for a year, and I figured it wasn't quite in line with what I wanted to do later on. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I was, I enjoyed uh, science. Fuck so that would have been too quiet for you, mate. I was forensic like, science. It's just <laughs> too <laughs> quiet. I, yeah, I definitely stood out. I just, I think I was sitting there, just, just wanting to do something, and, and I enjoyed school. I really enjoyed school. I didn't, I didn't want to leave, and I, yeah, I excelled at school and. Um, then I went on to uni and then uh, I got an opportunity, I guess, in a year later for a family member that um, was high up in a company with Sydney Water and um, I got a, to be an apprentice and they paid well and you got given a so vehicle. So you did your apprenticeship through Sydney Water? Yeah, I did my apprenticeship through Sydney Water for three years um, and then left there and um, just kind of got into, I got into luxury automation of houses. So... Your bigger houses in, in your 
more effluent areas mm. and blossoms and that. And How'd you get into that? So, because you're an electrician yep. and um, like electrical has many different doors you can walk through. So automation is a lot of programming and, and system control. So if you do Sorry, did you get into that after Sydney Water? Yeah, after Sydney Water. Okay, right. That's yeah. so I was, how does Sydney Water? Sorry, no, I'm, it was like because of Sydney Water, you deal a lot with um, there is automation and there's SCADA systems and different things in place. And I kind of just took a I'm like, oh, I'll try this. A liking to it. Yeah, yep. and then I went to that, and then yeah. Um, so then you got into the automation. Yeah, of the, the home. Yep. automation. I mean, that's awesome. So yeah. it's just you know, the more money the client has, the more extravagant the features, and um, you. You wake up, like, sorry, the, the, the guys would have it, so they'd, they'd set scenes in a house where you press one button and be a party scene and all the, the outside lights would go to 50%, the music would come on and, you know, this is all controlled from your phone. And look, nowadays you can kind of get apps to do it, but you these systems are hardwired and, mm. and uh, you know, houses overlook at beaches. And so it was good. It was good exposure to see to that and to learn. What and sort then, of money are we talking about with that? Oh, for just the electrical systems, you know, a couple hundred grand, mm. half a million dollars, depending on the size of the house and Jesus. the figure. That's where I kind of branched off into fire automation because it was another avenue of automation. I, I thought I was always a, a decent sparky, but I was better at organising people and jobs and um, mm. kind of like documentation because I do have a bit of OCD. You haven't kind of worked that out yet also. <laughs> then I'm very well organised with things and, and kind of just led hand in hand. So I yeah. realised that you could be a good sparky and be on your tools all your life. And I was thinking about going to open my own business, start up because I had quite a lot of work on the outside. And then I just kind of went down the other avenue as a career man. And and then now I am where with the company and I'm studying, doing a Bachelor of Project Management. Okay. So I paid for that. So who are you doing that through? Uh, that's through a private correspondence yep. thing. So the works pay for that, which is good. So yep. um, it keeps me a bit accountable for them, and they put trust in me. And there's three people in our company in Australia that were chosen to to, to undertake it. So wow. yeah, that's what I was going to come back to the question um, where you said before I sort of I fell into the role of what you're in now. What do you mean by uh, you fell into it, or so were, did they come and approach you to do it? The role I'm in now, well, I guess for me to get into, to be so young at the previous company and be the head of their construction at 26, 27 and have guys that were twice my age under me and it always made it interesting because you'd go to meetings and, and things and people go, where's your boss? I'm like, I have a boss. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh. How did you feel about that? I took it as a challenge. Yeah. Like, because I mean, one, one time one guy said to me, he's like, he goes, oh, how old are you? I was like, I'm 27. And he's like, my, my youngest son's older than you. I was like, how old is your son? He's like, oh, he's 34. And I was like, piece of paper still the same. That's the plan. Do the job. Mm. Some guys I found that were, were resentful because they felt like they yeah, wanted I to. Yeah, I could see they would be. But they're in their 40s and, and, and whatnot. But they never, ever tried to progress. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got to take risks. And, like, I went from company to company. I just, I'm like, I was there for a couple of years and I seen someone else would poach me and then I'd go from here to here and, and that's where, and then where I end up now, uh, there was another guy in a position and um, I was kind of next in line and he moved on from that position. So it was like, oh, we'll, we'll give you a try at it and it's good. So I kind of mm. wear two hats, yep. getting another, and I want to go into um, like business development mm -hmm. later on. And we've got an avenue at, at, in our company that, that has that. I've got a couple of good guys and I'm working, trying to work in with them at the moment. So I've asked for like, extra work, show me what you do, how you do it. Because in five years, if something comes up, once I've finished with doing these, this role and I've learned a bit more, mm. I've got some, I've got some runs on the board. Yep. So yeah. I'd, do you feel patient? Like, or are you trying to 
is there a place that you're trying to get to as quick as you can, or are you nah, just going day it's by day? Insane. That I've realised like I've got to I've got to finish my d- the degree. Yeah. And then I've also how I've much longer have you got for that? Another three years. Yeah. So I've only a year into it. Oh, not even a year into it. Yeah. Um, and then with that, I've also got to be. You can't like you can't buy experience, so I've got to do a bit more experience. And and for my position at work, I'm the youngest by 15, 20 years. There's four, five of us. So and you look at all those guys; they're all a lot older than me. I think, mm. well, like I don't want to be where you are in 20 years. Yep. I want to go to next, but I know I've got to be patient. I've got to learn a bit more, and so just keep doing the right things. And mm. yeah, if you're good at your job, you're never out of work. So 100. percent And I, I was going to say, I don't think like it's never really by accident. Like they've they've obviously identified qualities in you to be able to say, okay, well, you're next in line, he left, well, okay, instead of going out and outsourcing, they've identified the qualities in you to be able to do the role. And so, you know, you've taken that that chance by the scruff of the neck and obviously, you know, I can see if I was, you know, in a position of allocating, you know, the resources, I would want you in what you're doing around people rather than just construction. Because yeah, that's you can definitely. see that that would benefit the the company having. And I get to wear two hats at the moment, yeah. so it benefits me also because I'm still doing the course, but I'm also getting exposure to that. I think I will go down that other avenue a lot mm. more. I mm. look a lot more client faced and and uh, working on tenders and proposals and things, and yeah, I enjoy it. So yeah, yeah, it was it was a big change in a role, and from being out on site seventy percent of the time. 30% in the office to completely the other way around, like probably in the office 70% yep. now. So it's good. What, what have you found the hardest about people management? <laughs> Every person's different. Yeah. Sometimes people just need a hug and mm-hmm. be told to that they're doing good. Um, you can't please everyone. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes... <laughs> sometimes they need a punch in the face. Yeah, yeah that's it. I think like you... Uh, we've, we've scheduling... And promises and, and builders and things like that. You, sometimes you got to rob Peter the PayPal. You know, you tell tell someone one thing and they expect that that's going to happen, but they want it done now. And then mm. you really you might have to allocate people over here as well. You, it's hard to keep everyone happy. Yeah, someone's always going to lose out. Mm. But then that's where people. If you've got a good relationship, they can they can be a bit more lenient. Yeah. So if you if you don't have a good relationship with some clients and they just they they're not going to help you. Mm. So that's where people management comes in. Yeah, yeah. Think, yeah. It's really understanding what the overall vision and purpose is yep. and then understanding what the individual's purpose and vision is and trying to align those. And everyone has bad days. And everyone has bad days. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really a, it, it's a, such a, a rewarding, brutal experience managing people. It is. I think in that position where you said everyone has bad days, you really can't have a bad day. Mm. You have to be on. Yeah. And that's where I'll probably, I'll probably align a little bit yep. better with it. So, Is there anything that you do to look after your own mental wellbeing? Yeah, come train here. Can, yeah. <laughs> come train here and then, uh, I mean, I've I got a life outside of CrossFit as well. Like a lot yeah. of friends and I'm always doing something. I think you'd see on the weekends I've always got something on and 
So surround yourself with good people and social connection. Yeah, yeah. which I find it very hard at the moment. So yeah. I'm trying to do video conference calls there to a lot of people at the moment. They don't want to do it with me. So yeah. <laughs> I just miss that interaction. So <laughs> yeah. I got off one yesterday and I said, "Can we do this again tomorrow?" <laughs> like, hey, we'll talk to you in a week. <laughs> what are you doing at two o'clock this afternoon? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'll still be here. <laughs> so that or I'll just go out away for someone else. I'm like, come train. Like, can you yeah. get here quick? So yeah, I'm still getting that fixed, which is good. Yeah. Being so working, training, trying to socialise, uni now is yep. being organised. Is that helping you? Yeah, yeah. heaps, yeah, heaps. Still finding that's a lot going on. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't feel overloaded as much as probably I did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I feel like because I was going into new roles a couple of years ago, and now I'm a little bit more. Once the dust settles, a yeah, bit more um, acclimatised to it. So yeah. yeah, so from the outside when you come bounding in here and you're full of energy and <laughs> yeah. you know people think oh he's got ADHD and yeah. you're, you know you're, you're just getting into everything in your mind are you calm like from the outside oh, it looks like it's just like a scattergun approach but <laughs> in, do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean I, but in your mind are you I think I just get excited like yeah. I'm just excited to be back around everyone at, at the end yeah. of the day like, but I'm like that at work I walk into the office and I think that's the big thing with training here so early. I'm two hours ahead of everyone. Yeah. I read something the other week. It was like a lot of those, like the top 10 entrepreneurs and wealthy people in, in those positions, like Jeff Bezos and I, they all get up at 5 a.m. in the morning. And mm. The reason is they get an extra 30 hours a week. Yeah. Over a year, that's an extra month mm-hmm. or whatever. That's a lot of extra time. And, and it's a lot more time to do so. So if you get up that early and, and you come here and you train and then I'm going to work, I'm already two hours ahead. I'm already thinking about things. I've answered emails. I'm, so I get to work and I've got people walk in and they're half asleep still. And I'm and I'm usually first out the door in the afternoon because I'm, I'm done. Yes. I start early. So I start early because I finish early. But it just gives me that. Like, like now getting up at seven, I still feel a bit lazy. Yep. I feel a bit lazy. And my days, it doesn't quite click on. Mm. Um, as much as winter getting up in the morning is a pain in the ass but then that's, that becomes where your mental side kicks in you've got to force yourself or you push yourself to get up and yeah yeah is there any like maybe top three people that you follow or you you know on social media or you look to like yeah David Goggins I yeah. Think. yeah David Goggins is he's an animal hey oh, huge if you haven't if you don't know David Goggins Google him yeah. and follow him on social media David Goggins is just like that I've, there's been a couple of mornings where I've been like, I don't want to train, and I'm like, I'll go onto his page and like he puts something <laughs> up. I'm like, okay, I'll run through my door. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you posted the boys' group chat, and there's some people don't want to train you. They all turn up, and just sometimes hearing that outside of your friend group or having someone just a little bit more of an influence, you're like, oh, mm. you know, like if I sleep here for another half hour, what's it going to give me? Mm. Like if I've got a good enough sleep the night before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, do you sleep well? Yeah. Yeah. Sleep like a baby. Like I'm usually in bed. What by time do you go to bed? And nine, one thirty. Yeah, okay. Maybe a little. Like I'm usually laying on the lounge or in bed by nine. Yeah. So um, I, I get a good sleep. Um, I should take like melatonin tablets. Yeah. Okay. Um, and lately I've been taking um, like an adrenal switch um, thing, which I, I just heard in a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and just regarding, it just helps you, you switch off at night and relaxes you and it's better for muscle recovery and things and I think that's how sometimes I do get a good sleep and I'm able to come and I train in the morning and train in the afternoon and go do something else and I think like I train I don't really take days off mm. I'm always just because I, I feel I'm at home and I'm bored yeah yeah like I want to be doing something so I'm yeah. always I'm always able to do that so I think I look after myself enough to a degree that 
I'm able to to maintain that level and always try and be on. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So David Goggins. Yeah, David Goggins. I think Joe Rogan's another one because what I think I was talking about before about when you leave school, if you if you don't go study or do something else, you stop learning. Mm. So if you, if, if for instance, if you left school and you got a job and that job was very monotonous and you did that every day for the next 10 years, what did you learn? Mm. And, there's, and there's a lot more outside of that. So if, if you, like I'm at work, I put on a podcast and then from there you go to another podcast and this, you, you might learn things about stuff that you had never had any idea. Like I listened to one podcast with Joe Rogan and a, about coyotes. Mm. Never even seen a coyote, but I'm pretty much an expert on it now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you just keep learning. Yeah. You just learn and, and you hear different people's experiences in yep. their life. And, and I think sometimes uh, some of the things that they've gone through and how they got through it. And that's probably another way I, I try and always have that positive outlook because you, you hear other people's stories and you're like, mm. oh, they come through that. And that's a hundred times worse. Yeah. Even though everything's relative perspective to yourself, yeah, there's there's always someone going through worse and has come through worse, and mm-hmm. um, I think just constantly learning, yeah. And you look at how such a wide variety of people. Oh, mate, it's, it's probably my number one incredible person that I I I follow and yep. and look for their content, Joe Rogan, because you you can there's three hour podcasts, yeah, on archaeology or you know. Um, American politics or, you know, someone that's trekked through Cambodia and or someone that's a virus expert or through to, you know, talking about cryptocurrency. You just... And you get exposed to that and it's at your fingertips. Yeah, Yeah, and it's at your fingertips every day and you're like, well, if I wasn't listening to that, I was listening to the radio, which I used to do. Yeah. And I was like, but now I feel like I'm just constantly just taking in wealth because it is technologies at your mm. at your um, at your fingertips, and you can go. I'm going to listen to this, and then I'm going to go listen to that one, and I might do a another sport and podcast. And so I think taking knowledge from that mm. and drive, and then maybe a third person. Uh, would have to be some just someone I can't remember. Exactly, it would be just for high work ethic. I think some of the athletes that you follow, like yeah. as a collective group, yeah, like yeah. you see the ones who really excel and how, like, just them bits and pieces yeah. from everyone. Yeah. yeah, like you look at them and like <clears throat> some of those guys who don't have a day off and they're just always going and, and it just proves you can go do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I, I think I enjoy feeding kind of off that energy. So. Yeah, yeah. If there's one other person in the world who has done what you want to do or has experienced what you are going through. Mm it's been done before as possible. Yeah, so sure. whatever is preventing you is an excuse. Yeah, massively. To a, a large degree, obviously there's some um, limitations with genetics and, yeah. and et cetera, but, or, you know, some circumstances, but, you know, there's always an example out there of why you can be better. You got to put yourself in a position. You got to take yep. risks. So that's, and that's what I've probably Probably had my downfall in my heart <laughs> rise, and I always hate. I think when I was younger, I took a fair few. Yeah. Um, just you always just I don't really say no to much. But risks are life. Yeah, and, for sure. And life is lessons. Yeah. Whether it how it, however it turns out, good or bad, it's a, it's a lesson. Accumulation of lessons. Yeah. No, and it's. I think what, it, what's um. What's the best? Well, sorry. What's the risk that you've taken that's paid off, and you just yes. Uh, so. A couple of years ago, I went to Europe. Um, went, so I was going there for a wedding, had a Bucks party in Amsterdam, which yeah. led to Ibiza, and then we went to the wedding, and uh, we were on a little, me and, me and one of my best mates were on a little propeller plane off the island. So it was an island called, 
uh, I can't remember what the, what the island was. It was a little Greek. It wasn't one of the big ones. It was the guy, one of my friends married a Greek girl and her family was from there. Yeah. Um, and we got to, to Athens Airport and we had nowhere to go because we just like the rest of our next four weeks wasn't locked in apart from Tomorrowland. And, I was, you know, we were there at six in the morning and the, the, you know how like the flights flip over? Yep. So you say what flights are coming through next. Well, we didn't know where we were going. And, I was, and then there's Malta comes up and I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, then, uh, sorry, Cairo. And I was like, okay, like, there's that. And then there was something else. And we, we kind of narrowed it down to like, well, let's go, let's flip a coin. So it's Cairo or it's Malta. You're joking. Ah, uh, yeah, and we flipped a coin and it went to Cairo and there's two, we're pretty haggard by that stage. We've been partying for like four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, right, we went up to the counter, we, we booked like, we're going to Cairo and this lady's like, yeah, took our money. We jumped on a plane and we just flew to Cairo and I remember ringing, so I ring my dad as we're waiting for the plane I was like, He's, like, he's just checking in on me. Yeah. Like, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, down to find Egypt. And he's like, <laughs> just brain explosion. Like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it'll be right, it'll be right. And like, just what, with your luggage, that's all you just had? Just with my luggage, yeah. yeah. My, like, mind you, my friends had never travelled before. So he, this is his, he's been away, everything's all new to him. And I'm like, no, nah, we'll be right, we'll do this. And I, we fly into Cairo and, and you're flying over the little parts of the desert kind of when you're getting there and out the window. You're like, this, it is a movie. It is the biggest kind of mind-blowing place you could go to mm. um we get out of the airport and we're walking through with only at that time actually if you remember there was a lot of political unrest in turkey mm. belgium had the the car bombings and there was a lot of terrorist kind of thing so egypt was a red zone you weren't allowed to you how long bought, ago was this 2018 oh, oh yeah okay yeah. so only recently yeah yeah 2000 i think 18 yeah it would have been and it was so turkey to, and had that issue where the government remember the government was fighting against the people and you couldn't quite fly through there my actual flight on the way home from Europe got cancelled because I was about to stop in Turkey so that's another part of the story yeah, right. at the end and so we're flying into Egypt this time I think we're the only two white guys on the plane <laughs> everyone's looking at you and, and I'm pretty sure in our culture you've got to wear like long longs and you wouldn't have been quiet either oh no yeah. we, we didn't sleep from the wedding so we'd actually we'd fly <laughs> we'd be drunk from from Greece at the airport we kept drinking yeah. uh, we were in short shorts and singlets and we're flying into to, to Cairo and we get off and we're going to go through customs and they're like well you meant to have some I think like a visa-ish type thing to go there at that time especially and the, well, we didn't have it so they pulled us into a, like a like a a room in the side to have a chat to us about what we're doing. We didn't even have accommodation. Yeah, and we're like, where are you staying? Like, we don't know. Oh my, you a red flagged everywhere. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. We didn't have a flight out of the country either. Oh, that, so to them it looks like we're just going yeah, there. Like yeah. we're just like, just a couple of rag and tag dudes. Just <laughs> they X-ray your guts to see how many <laughs> yeah. balloons of heroin oh, you're we carrying. Got, we got sussed out, and then we had to pay all this money to get like a visa thing sorted. And we went through, and then went downstairs, and this bloke come up to us is like, "I need to see your passports and this, this, and this." And we're like, "Okay." Shut up. I said, wait, I want to see you. What are you? Like, he was going to be some tourist, um, like an officer. Like, he was helping you get your bags. Ended up being a scam artist who took us outside. We thought we were going to a taxi rank. We went three streets away in Cairo in this city. That's exactly what you think it is. And then they put us into this car and this car took us. We told him the hotel we were staying at because we had to book a hotel and everything in front of the people at the airport. And, and I fell asleep. My mate's nudging me and he's like... Mate, wake up. I'm like, what's going on? Like, we're going through a section where Cairo had actually had a Bennett, like, 
uh, sorry, the, the people of Egypt had like a bit of unrest with political unrest of their own government. Yeah. So there was parts of buildings and everything that were like, like war torn and we're going, Jeez. that was, yeah, so that was only recently. And I was like, where the fuck are we? Like, what are we doing? We ended up getting to the hotel. The hotel had the bomb dogs come out. And this is like, <laughs> and I'm like, they went over the car, and they x-ray your bags before you walk into the hotel. I ended up paying the wrong – I paid the first guy the money for the taxi instead of the taxi guy. Oh. So he wanted money and then we had a big argument in the main lobby of this hotel and he said a couple of nasty things and was going to come get us and this and then we got locked in our rooms um, that night. By, or we had a big management uh, – a meeting with management and it was like, you aren't, you guys aren't allowed out. Like, don't go out at night time. You know, it's, it's not safe here at the moment, blah, blah, blah. And, and then – my friend, like he's like, that's it. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting the next flight out of here. And the flight he wanted, I think, it was like a 12 hour round trip to get back to where he wanted to go. And I'm like, no, I'm staying. Man. Like we'll stand across the road from the pyramids because oh, okay. where the pyramids stop, there's just the freeway, and then the town starts or the city. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can Google it. It's just it's surreal that they build a city on the edge of like this where the Sphinx is. Yeah. So it's just one road, and I'm like, you can see it right there. And so I'm not convincing to stay. And then we went and did. Uh, went and did like a, a big tour. We, we, you're actually able to climb on top of the pyramids to a certain degree. You can't go all the way to the top, but we went there early in the morning the next day and we were in the pyramids. You can climb on it. You can, there's photos on, on my Instagram where you're sitting on the big blocks. Mm. Um, you can go see the Sphinx and then we went to like the, the Egypt History Museum, which is, should be in the museum itself. It's that old and it's just, you got to see the mummies and, and things like that. It was crazy. So that, that paid off for taking that risk there. And wow. Yeah, it was just, we were there for three days and it was just like you were in the movies the whole time and it was so Three surreal. days in Egypt. Three days no, in Egypt and then we flew from there to- Were you ever really scared, worried? Yeah, one stage with my friend was, was that it. He's gone, he's out of here yeah. and this. And I think I've been to- Bali and Thailand before, so I'm used to people scamming you, yeah. trying to. Yeah, so yeah. you're a bit more, but you're in a very different situation when you're over there. Mm. And then once kind of all the smoke <laughs> settled and we're on the plane, way out, I thought that was pretty crazy, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my parents were off me being there. <laughs> I actually went live on Facebook. I had better reception <laughs> next to the pyramids than I do in Londonderry. So I remember going live, I'm like, and I was actually wearing like the high gym. So I borrowed the guys. Uh, I traded him actually my hat for the guy who carried like he walks in he does the camel kind of thing you hire a camel off him and he walks you around the pyramids and Fair income. yeah and I'm wearing his hygiene and I was like going live on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was just a, just a time like an absolute time yeah it was <laughs> what's your opinion on the pyramids like are they from aliens were they built by an ancient civilization like hey, being there you and- go there you see them and it's I would love to have gone there when I was probably starting high school-ish around that time you start learning really about what Egypt is and and you, in history and things like that because as a kid it would really like it blows you away as an adult but I think seeing that being a kid and still having that you know the world's a different place when you're a kid yeah yeah you're, you're out you're outlook on the world I think yep. seeing that that would be mind-blowing you'd be like but yep. when you're an adult and you know you listen to the podcast on uh, there's a Graham Hancock yeah you know and he's and he backdates the pyramids even further because of the water line on them and things like that. And you, it's kind of hard. Like you think those size of those blocks and they had to individually um, cart those blocks down from Alexandria up the top of Egypt on the Nile and build them one by one. And there's, I know, there's like a million blocks at each one or something. And, yeah. and to say that they can't even build them in this day yeah. and age. What's where, your gut feel about it? 
I think a lot of slaves build. <laughs> I don't think anything's possible, but yeah. I just you don't know and how they're all positioned and they, they I think they imitate the stars above or something as well and there's too many conspiracy theories about mm, it. Mm. I think I just I went there, I seen him and it just in my mind that, that it was awesome. It was, pretty, yeah. it was the best place that, that or Switzerland, I think is the best place where you stand there and you're like you're like, wow, like, this is real. Yeah, so that was my next question. Where else have you been? Uh, so Switzerland? Yeah, so I flew from there. What did you love about that? You stood on your, like in those mountain valleys when you're in the Swiss Alps and it just doesn't look real. Mm. Like you go to the Blue Mountains here and everything, not taking anything away from it because it, it is nice, but it's just, it's another world. It's like a straight out of a fairy tale. You kind yeah. of stand at the bottom of a valley and there's waterfalls and people are hang gliding across the valleys. And that was probably the, I think you stand here and you just admire the beauty of the place. Yeah, the, those <clears throat> pictures where people use as inspirational quotes and that scenery's in the background. That is that. Yeah. And I, I actually, so my bucket list was, one of the things on my bucket list, I flew from Egypt was, so I ticked that off. And then we, <laughs> I went to party on. Thanks to a flip of a coin. Yeah, flip of a coin. So, and I realised at that stage too, if you ever flip a coin and you hope it lands on something, that's what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. That's, and that's what I've kind of been always like, well, I'll flip a coin I really hope it lands ahead. Well, I'm not even going to flip the coin. I'm going to go do that. So Did you ever get to Malta? No, nah, never. That, that might be next year. Sorry, Tommy. Sorry, Tommy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, I live pretty close to Landilo and everything else. So <laughs> I can't have imagined. I don't think there's any more guys left over there. They're all over here now. That's. A, is there anyone in Malta? <laughs> I'm not sure. It might just be a party. Oh, yeah. apparently it's pretty good to party. Yeah. But I, I was in EOS, and then some of the boys had got tired of partying, and I was like, well, I still want to party. But if you guys aren't going to do anything, I'm going to. I wanted to skydive the Swiss Alps. Mm. So I got on a plane. You did that? Yeah, well, I went by myself. Uh, lost my wallet the day before in EOS, so it made it very, very hard to because I couldn't pull money out. So I got, I transferred my friend all of the money, got him to pull the cash out, flew to to um, to Switzerland. And I got there. And so I didn't realise you're on your own yeah. travelling with nothing but cash. Nothing but cash, yeah. You, mate, do you know how many red flags you're setting off around <laughs> on customs? Not, not just cash, though. I didn't realise Swiss were franc, not euro. So oh. I've gone there with all this euro. And I'm, like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I've, lo- I've looked up this. I'm meant to be on a, a uh, train up into the Alps. It's like a five-hour trip, mm. and I've got there. And I've, well, I missed the train, so <laughs> so I had to try and spend a night in. I, ca- I can't remember what are this. I can't remember what city it was in Switzerland. It's not Geneva. It's one of the other ones. Where I have no idea. Yeah, it's just like one of the bigger airports. And so I had to just get like this Formula One type hotel for the night and they'd be on this first train up into the house next day. And then I'm on the train and I'm going up there and I finally get up to the very top peak of where the Alps are. And then you have to get off a train. And there's no cars or like trucks or anything because you're so high up in the mountains. They've got these little, you either got a horse and cart type looking thing or this little moped looking to take me up to my to my hotel room and then the hotel room there was overlooking the whole valley. And wow. So it kind of paid off again. I was like, oh, this is another <coughs> risk I've taken. And yeah. all I wanted to do was go skydiving over the Alps because as you can imagine, it's just it was oh, spectacular. Yeah. Yep. And then it, so the next day I booked that in and then I actually got to go on a helicopter instead. So I jumped out of a helicopter over the Alps you're joking. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you some photos of it later. And like, what was that like? So you stand on the edge of a helicopter on the, um, I don't know what you call them, but the, you know, the things they land Just on. The steps, yeah. The steps, yeah, yeah. And you're hanging out the side. Yeah. And you're overlooking the, you know, the Swiss Alps. So it's, it is what you imagine and there's just nothing like it. How high are you? Uh, what do they do? I think they're 20,000 feet when you usually mm. jump. So it was a couple other guys in there that were in their wingsuits and they jumped out first. And so you just seen them just shoot out and then, <laughs> and then you're like, we actually got the backflip. That is nuts. Off the helicopter. So when you go out, the blades are above you. So it's just the sensation of that 
that sound and everything happening and that's probably the best thing I reckon I've ever done by far like I still I still get goosebumps thinking about it now what an adrenaline rush that and then so have you heard the difference not tandem or was you no it was tandem yeah it was tandem okay, but with the guy so he let me he goes I just got talking to him the whole time he's like yeah, oh do you want to I find that hard to believe yeah he's like do you, do you want a backflip <laughs> mate let's do it let's do a backflip off this thing and but have you heard about how people think that bungee jumping is scarier than the skydiving? Yeah. Yes, it is. Like last year when I went to, to New Zealand, I did that bungee that was in between the two mountains. And being on the edge of that, standing there by yourself, having to throw yourself over the edge and yeah. you can see the ground <clears throat> is a totally different sensation. Yeah, yeah okay. That was like... Because there's probably not a lot of... It doesn't seem like there's a lot of time... Oh, no. Nah. Like probably skydiving, you've got time well, to... Well, you're up for a while and yeah. you're free-falling and it's, 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 a, it's an adrenaline rush, nonetheless. But when you, but you when you're bungee jumping, it's so... Especially from that height, because you actually got to go out in a cable car, stand on the edge, and then when they throw the... They kind of gently... Oh, my God. They gently, like, throw the oh. rope down and the rope's got, like, a big buoy-type thing that connects to your legs. And then you can feel that weight pull you over. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm all for it. Like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> the guy's holding me and he's holding on to the thing behind and he's like on the three and I'm like if you get the three I'm not going so I jumped at that time and it was yeah just incredible but when you hit the bottom it's actually connected to your waist so you got to you free fall like T-bag you go up and down and then you go up halfway and then on the third one they tell you you got to reach down you got to do a reverse sit up and unpin your legs so when you unpin your legs, you actually do like a complete 180. So it feels like you've disconnected yourself from the line. Oh my so god! So you, you get this whole man. this whole drop again, and then like, I'm panicking here just <laughs> listening to it. So yeah, that's why I think like yeah, bungee jumping is way worse than what the score ever was, and, and the, to, for the adrenaline rush. But yeah, glad you did it. But oh no, I like to think that if I was on the edge again, you'd still still be the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Would you consider yourself an adrenaline junkie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Like, I kind of like. I do want to go. Do what, like what's next? Uh, in South Africa, there's a bridge, and that bridge is the highest bungee jump in the world. So there's that, and then a great like shark diving in, mm. in Adelaide in the Calypso. I want to do yep. that. There's yep. a couple of things like that. Yeah, that's in a oh, just a, yeah. Okay. Calypso, I think, is the company that does yep. it down there. Whether you do that in South Africa or not, you know, you might be able to take two off as well. Do Mate, the bridge definitely. The, well, South Africa is the place for that. Yeah. So the great whites and and the bungee and, mm. and yeah, I just don't know about the, the regulations over there. If there's if they're as stringent as Australia and things. So. Do you do you know? I, I know quite a few South Africans, or in 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 my life, I've come across man, you know, some had um, been friends with them, and um, you know how they live over there. So the crime and Huge. life's cheap, and it's white and black. Over and there, it's isn't white it? and black. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Is, yeah. To a point where um, one of them was telling me a story where, you know, they sleep with a, a firearm under their pillow mm. um, and it is a shoot first, ask later situation. Ask. He, he heard a noise in his house and he f- he got up. It's not Oscar for stories, your friend, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he fired a shot into the hallway of his house. Bef- and he, could have been anyone. It could have been anyone. Yeah, right. But that's how you shoot first. That's how that's bad how it live, is over yeah. there. Yeah, it's crazy. that's how they live. I wonder what that's like now in current times with the isolation and mm. things like that, like being, I guess, what they live like and how do you rule that? Yeah. Or how do you come across and say you can't do this like there? Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty loose kind of uh, way of living over there. Absolutely. Do you have any fears? Speaking of adrenaline, or um, are you scared of anything? It's 
your typical usual ones, like your heights and that, I've all, I think, I've bypassed that now. Yeah, um, yeah. Be... no, I'm saying like your usual ones, which yeah. are snakes and your spiders. Yeah. And you, I don't know, like I don't like spiders, <laughs> but they don't, like, it's not like I'm terrified of them. Yeah. Um, I heard Sam Hollis say sharks. I think they yeah, went, if shark. you're in the water, like... Take him to South yeah, Australia with you. Yeah, 100%. But then I want to go... Yeah, I don't know. There's nothing I've probably come across yet that I've got a general phobia of. Yep. So... Cool. That's yeah, good. Yeah, which is... But I'm, I'm something... Well, I guess I'll walk into something next week now. I'll be able to ring you back up. It's got to... Yeah, I found what I'm yeah, scared of. Yeah, I found what I'm scared of. Yeah, that's it. What, um, what do you do to relax? Um... See, my idea of relaxing is, I think, very different yeah, to other what, people. I what think, is your idea of relaxing and... Like, doing something and, and, and having fun at a joint. That's my idea of relaxing. I think, like, a lot of my friends are like, why don't you just stay home or why, why, why are you always doing something? I was like, I think staying home on the lounge or just chilling out watching a movie, I can't sit still. Yeah. So yeah. my idea of, I guess, me time or whatever or is, is, is being social and enjoying and that's relaxing for me. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, yeah... I think mm. some people find it hard because mm. a lot of people, some people go home and sit on the lounge and relax for a couple of hours and watch a movie or do mm. nothing. And I'm like, it's just not, not in me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you find anything, are there any, I guess, how, what, what's stress to you? What, is, is there any circumstances where you think, nah, this is like When you take stressful? too much on, I think sometimes when you, when you might underestimate what your workload is yeah. you're currently taking on and then it all slowly comes in you know you start to away. feel yeah and then but that's probably because you, you've overloaded yourself you yeah. think you could do and then the thing is you get older you know you realise you don't have to please everyone mm. where if you previously I was always yes 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 do everything you know Yeah. And, and then for soon enough like you run out of time or you're not and you can't please everyone and yep. by saying no sometimes you you might alleviate that stress. Yep. So, mate, isolation for well, this time has really. I've thought about that a lot. Yeah. A lot of my um, issues come from trying to please everyone. Yep. And I'm not going to do that anymore. So that's um, something that's going to change me from from this. It's just given me a lot of time to sit and think. So yeah, like hearing you say that, it's resonated with me. Where well, I think I said it to boys the other day. I was like, there's not one time in life so far that I've encountered that it is mandatory to relax mm. that the, the world has gone no you are not doing all these other yeah. things that, and it makes you think how busy were you really before yeah. how much stuff did you really have to do yep. because now I'm actually, I've actually taken time and I have relaxed and I've got more time to be at home and do those things and, and I'm like okay this is what relaxing is I think I've actually become accustomed to it yeah. so I might come out of this different as well where before I was always so go 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 because maybe I was always just on that wavelength but yep. now I'm like I can just sit down and relax and I don't have to do that extra training session or I don't have to go here or there and yep. and I I think it's it's in a way apart from all the businesses that have been affected that it might be a blessing in disguise it might have saved a lot of people mm. from crashing and burning too early yeah yep. and yeah. being caught in just that uh, grind or turmoil of day-to-day doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. Yeah, or be, they might be in situations that they didn't want to be in and this gave them an opportunity to, to exit. Huge. Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of um, businesses and people that come out of this, you know, like you were saying before, a better place. Yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah, definitely. And if you, and if you don't, you've done something wrong with three months. Mm. 
Yeah, you're definitely. You're wasting time. It's still three months of your time. Mm. You can be pro- you can be productive or not. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what made you buy a house? Because you've, re- uh, you've recently bought the one. Subtle hints from the parents for the last five years. <laughs> what are you gonna get out? Yeah, what are you gonna get out? So when they stop cooking me dinner, <laughs> no, it's uh, it was something that was always on the uh, always on the cards, and I was looking to do it probably earlier than what I did. But with the the current environment as to what houses the house market was over like three to four years ago, it was, you couldn't afford to. Yeah. And I bought buying a house by myself on, on one wage. Um, in the, the market it was in say 2018 and things like that, it was like, it was almost unachievable for yeah. what I wanted to, especially because I wanted to stay in the Hawkesbury yep. initially. So, and I wanted to buy a house. I didn't want to buy a unit. And um, plus as well, I traveled a fair bit as well outside the other stories. Mm. And um, I still had my luxury and my freedom to do that. Yep. So rather than go, I might buy a house this year, I might go do that five week or six week trip to Europe and so you do dip into some of your that, where that funds could have been allocated towards the house yes yep. but then I'm you know I'm here now with a house and I've got those experiences oh definitely so mate I was able to have my cake and eat it too which is good yep um, so you bought in McGraws Hill bought in McGraws Hill yeah yep. just a street over from uh, Braden Wheeler actually ah. I think it's a bit suspicious he's been coming past lately walking his dog I think he's counting me reps so <laughs> when I leave the roller door open and <laughs> What, what's he doing in there? Yeah, what's he doing what's around he there? Up to? <laughs> so, no, it's good. So I've got, I've done a session with him and vice versa. And, yeah, good. Um, it's good. It's a good little little town. I think that a lot of young families in there. I yes. think they use that as a stepping stone into uh, like your pit towns and your, your bigger properties later on. So it, it's good because a lot, a lot of my street is full of young people or young families and. A lot of my friends actually live in the surrounding street, so it saved me a lot of money on Uber's home on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a plus. <laughs> Mate, that's a, I live up at Currajong, and uh, a lot of... Re- What's I, Uber? <laughs> what the... F- um, I don't... I don't do a lot of stuff because, or you know, you go out and socialise and have a few drinks because I can't get home. Yeah, you got to get the last flight up there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I think McGrath's Hill, mate, that's a perfect spot to to buy. Like, you know, all the development on the back of Rouse Hill in the Box Hill, um, McGrath's Hill as a commercial hub. Like Have you, you got- seen that in behind the Maccas, There was always that big. Mm. area that does nothing doing well they got a ufc gym going in there a, a movie theater um like a ribs and burgers and they've got a little shopping complex going in so that's already started development for that mm. they, they bulldozed it and got the signs up and i was like oh well that's coming pretty close and that development all the way down windsor road now so yeah. i think yep. it will end at mcgrath's hill and mcgrath's hill will be in the older original suburb eventually maybe that might be developed out so mm. Mm. yeah so. what do you think of this if we i mean if we outgrow this space here, there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of bigger spaces for similar rent that um, are oh, available right. in McGraws Hill, South Windsor. Do you really want to see me anymore? Did you already do? <laughs> so we, if you had a bed here, I probably would just make it easier to stay here. Uh, <laughs> you never know; we might end up closer to you. Yeah, but that's it. I think you were looking at somewhere previously. Yeah, yeah. So we looked at a, um, a really big place at South Windsor. Yeah. Um, and it had, you know, uh, so this place here, you take out the stairs and, the, you know, the toilets and stuff were about 220 square metres. Okay. Whereas, like, the actual floor space, water walls, uh, 255. Yeah. So about 200, 220. But that place was, the actual gym floor would have been 500 square metres. Perfect. And then it had offices to do, you know, 
uh, have a podcast room, um, physio, Tommy, um, you know, an upstairs and downstairs physio room. Um, you could have had it was had had its own car park with twenty seven car spaces. Anyway, um, that that fell through. But we yep. he's still looking. Yeah, so looking just. I think now we. You're on the verge of. Uh, is, are we, we growing too big for this year? We're probably. Close. Well. We can definitely make it work for a lot longer. Yep. Uh, but what it means is, you know, it, as we get bigger classes more regularly, like, you know, 30 plus in a class on a Saturday morning, it's pretty hectic, but we make it work by having pairs and triples. Yep. But um, some classes, that's why we split the 6 a.m. class because it's getting 24, 27 people. It, that, that becomes too much. Yep. Um, not only for safety, but the, the coach, yeah. for the coach trying to manage 27 people. Um, and then you've got other people doing open gym as well. So some afternoons, you know, you can have um, 12 to 15, 16 in a class plus eight people doing open gym. That's when it gets a bit, uh, we need more space. How many people do you get through here on a day collectively, all classes together? So around 70 to... Between 60 and 75 people every day. Every day out of 100 and... 125. Yeah, okay. So you're always getting over half, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, which is... If, you, if you're actually getting 50 to 70% of your membership coming every day, you're yep. doing something right. Um, if you're doing 70 plus percent of your membership coming every day, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, at the uni gym, we're probably only getting... F- 10% of our membership coming, you know, 15% each day. Each day. So to have 50 to 70% is really good. And you do notice your high periods after yeah. Christmas, your New Year's resolutions, yeah. yeah, and then coming closer to summers and things like that. Yeah, so. September's a big month because yeah. you're sort of starting to come out of winter and then starting to warm up heading into summer. But, yeah, get back to the original question. Um, I think this shutdown has delayed that move of all that thinking of moving that we needed to move yeah i think we're just gonna re we need to reopen and then see how the the trend is of how many members are going to come back um and then what's normal going to look like on the other side of this what's 120 members at your door on the first day open going to look like <laughs> Jeez. Everyone be knocking, chaos. So, yeah, chaos. Chaos. but we could we you know i think um the only reason we would move is to create more opportunities. Like, yep. for example, um, we only can do CrossFit here. Yep. If we had a bigger space, we could possibly run, um, <clears throat> you know, we could possibly have a separate area for and run yoga yep. or boxing. Um, or we could, um, you know, have not be upstairs for physio. Um, we could have physio, uh, massage, have a permanent podcast set up. Um, so looking for better, for, for more space is just looking for more opportunity to, to provide more value in a membership. And that might come up with, I guess, with the, the change in climate once yes. restrictions are listed back, you're talking about companies who might not need the bigger space that they're yep. in. They might find that there is a lot more accessible yep. to, that you can go look at. Because companies, yeah. not, not just companies, will, some will have folded. Yep. Some might might downgrade in size and, and yeah. things like that. So it might be 
It might yep. be a good opportunity then. Mate, it's, uh, we're in a good space to be out. We're going to be able to come out of this and be able to take advantage of opportunities rather yep. than, like there's already gyms that are selling off all their equipment because they're not yeah. even going to try and reopen. And I, I know of them. Um, and there's, I mean, even the place that we were looking at to moving into that big place I mentioned before, it was a company that had that and another um workshop over at Wetherill Park okay but they closed down the one at South Windsor to just focus on the one at Wetherill Park before all of this happened so I think um, you're going to see a lot of businesses basically restructure restructure and downsize or close down altogether and we're going to see a lot more places that are available that are probably more suitable for a lot less rent than what we would have before this so I think opportunities are going to be be there it's just I guess we want to be have that not guarantee but that confidence that to going forward to going forward that we've got the membership base there and it's solid and then move I think maybe outside of everyone going back to normal day-to-day life you hopefully you, you might get an influx of members because you th- yeah what I've seen on online yeah is the majority of the people who are active and doing things are all happen to be CrossFitters or functional type people on social media. Yep. Yeah, people who go to the average gyms, they're not doing, they're not posting home workouts and things like that. And to the public looking from the outside in, mm. if someone's looking for that extra, like, oh, I want to I go do that or all. Yep. The stigma around CrossFit was it was like it was very balls to wall and yep. it brought in necessary people who, the average people who were doing it. Yeah. I think that he might get a few more people who have been looking to go try something yeah, yeah. that's a bit more accessible. Yeah, definitely. Mate, these online programs, so so John and Shay, um, they have close to 50 people now that they're programming for individually each week. Yeah. Some of those are friends of people from here that don't even live anywhere near here. Yeah, right. So, oh, my gym's not doing anything. They just closed down. Um, oh, but your, your gym's... Got got your program and you're working, you're training from home. How can I get on onto that? So, you know, it's over in uh, lady over in the Blue Mountains that lives at Woodford. We've got someone that's on a cruise ship. Um, you know, there's uh, people that live on the other side of Penrith that are working with Shay and mate. Yeah, so it's there's people that I think out of this that their gym is not doing anything. Yeah. But it's exposed that if you can still provide that community feel and and some online programming and still working with people, it um, you know, it all it, it is word of mouth too. It's you, word of mouth. You get a lot of people who do come in here that yeah. friends of friends and things like that. Yeah. So we're getting exposed to people that we might not have been exposed to prior to this. Yeah. And I think what's going to change for us is that we might physically reopen the roller door and run classes, but our online programming and coaching is going to continue. Yeah. That's, it's, yeah, it's another um, avenue. It's definitely, it's, sure. and, and it's the nutrition really, thing as well. Mate, Shay's taken off, man. She's, um, she's got, so John's got n- nearly 30 people that he's individually programming for. And then Shay's got probably about 22 or 23 um, and then she's got another, about another 14 people with just nutrition. Yeah, right. So it's um, – they're busy. It is, yeah. It's, yeah. Good. it's good to see that they're still doing something. And, I mean, obviously with their drive, that even if 
there wasn't that, they would be doing something else. Yeah. Like, they're not people to sit around and – No, definitely and that's not. that's what this whole place is like anyway. The yeah. people who are here aren't the people just to sit around. And, yeah. And that's a good thing to be around for – if you're looking for that extra edge and – yeah. And you come in here every day and it does the man a lot from you, but it makes you a better person. Yeah. I mean you've you've you're connected to so many people here. And this I think fifteen so many, people's last so many people have here. started here because you you've brought them out. What what do you do you just chip away at them or what okay, I wanted to ask you when you say to them, Hey, come and do CrossFit, what's their initial barrier or what do they I can't do it. Yeah. I, I can't do what you guys do. because I, I, I think that all that the mass population are exposed to would be what you see on YouTube or, or TV and things like that where yeah. you're high level you're only watching what the high level people do Yeah, you don't see your mums and dads in here who are doing a scaled version or something so it is it's, it is daunting and confronting to go well, okay come do this and they, they look up CrossFit and they're like holy fuck I can't do that yeah. and then you explain to them so but there is the other guys who are looking for a little bit more of an edge and you go oh, this is what it's about and they can't do it usually on a Saturday you bring them in or mm. I brought them in on a Saturday and so it's a partner workout it's not as daunting and, and they love it they, they don't really ever leave so yep. but yep. it's more so I think that what they think it is what they perceive yeah because it, it is what like that's what I thought it was when I first started mm. and, it, and it does it is pretty intense compared to then you come here for an hour and you do say 40 minutes, half hour of a workout, and then you go, what do I do for four years that stand in front of the mirror at any time? Yeah. You know, up and down, in and out, <laughs> up and down. <laughs> Look at talk. those muscles growing. Yeah, that's it. Like having a bro session. Yeah. And, and then actually most of us ended up here. Yeah. So I've gone, because I, I did have a membership still with me, and I remember going back and they're like, oh, none of you go here anymore. And I think we outgrew that. Or yeah. Just, and then you, are, and you do want to see your friends. You do like that camaraderie as well. So if... The six of you in a group and four of you go there, well, then the other two are bound to come. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what I found as well. But yeah. um, some, of the, some of the guys are very easy to, to convince. Mm. I think sometimes girls are a little bit harder because it is, I think they think it's a male dominated environment. Yes. And weights and I don't want to look like, because they look at the girls obviously at top levels, but I don't want to look like that. And you're like, well, yeah. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be clean in a hundred. Yeah, no, I can't even do that. So, yeah. <laughs> so like, but that's what these these, top, yeah. these are. They're top level athletes, and they just. Yeah. It's what they generally perceive, and then they come here, and everyone loves it. Yeah. Well, we're about. We're almost. We're very close to fifty fifty. Yeah. Male versus female. Yeah. Yeah, and and they all like. You look at all the girls. They're all um, putting in and, and yeah. learning quite a lot, and yeah, um, especially with the weights and things. I think that generally all like with the gymnastic side of it, they're always pretty pretty good mm. but then they're always a bit scared of weights but then once they get into it like yeah you know, it was I mean when you first come here and you come here from another gym and you're you know you, you, you're kind of a, a more solid type of guy and you walk in and Shay snatches more than you in <laughs> <laughs> your first week and you're like, like okay like, what is this <laughs> what is that thing and then, you, and then it, it does humble a lot of people mm. and it's it's good that, that it does that because you might come here in a bit you know especially with their sports backgrounds and, and you're like oh like you've got to go back in the bar and Josh yeah. will push you on a broomstick and yeah. And you're like, okay. Yeah. And then it teaches you again. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. You just got to put your ego into your pocket. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, um, and then if you're willing to do that and just chip away at it, you end up being in a really good place. Yeah, now I can snatch more on the show, so it looks yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> and gymnastics is the same as that. Like people come in and they go, oh, yeah, they see the butterfly pull-ups or yeah. people doing a muscle-up and they say, oh, yeah, I'll just jump up and do that. And they can't. And it's like you see this look on their face that... Like if you go to a pistol squat and you say to someone, or Wayne 
did it the other day. I was like, could do a one-legged squat. And he's like, yeah, easy. And I was like, you think it is. And there's so many things you look at from the outside and you're like, I could do that. And then you go yeah. do it and you're like, what? What is this? <laughs> is this devil magic? Like, yeah, yeah. What is going on? That gives you something to work on, eh? Yeah, it does. And I think that you always keep progressing from there. Yeah, for sure. But that, that humbling of people coming in who – and. It does take a certain type of person to want to stay here and do it. You, you find yeah. that there's people who come and go, but they're never going to last. That They were never going to last in the first place. Yeah, they yeah. weren't. Like they might, they like the idea of it and bettering themselves and whatnot, but coming and not being able to lift heavy and They do want to this. do it straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And I think that's when you, that's when I think people's perception of, oh, you always get injured and this mm. and this. Well, if you do come in and you're outside your means, yeah, you're going to. Like it's happened to me. Mm. Like I've tried to I tried to live more than what I should have at the time for something. And I hurt myself. So yep. yeah, yeah. We've all been yeah, there. Yeah, takes you to go. Okay, well, hang on. Like yeah, maybe go back a little bit. Yeah, because you can get excited too. You can go. Oh, oh it's, yeah. it's the environment. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So cool, man. Um, I, mean, I wanted to ask you if you can go back to teenage guy or even twenty year old guy. What advice would you give that? Keep give going. Him now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, but I think purely at the time, like I said, I think you're so self-centered at that age that you don't you don't look at the bigger picture. Mm. But that's the beauty of it. Mm. You have so much fun. Yeah, you know, like you, you couldn't be 20 with this mindset now, or because it's just you know that's what that's what it's meant for. You're yeah, meant to make all your mistakes and your lessons at that age. So yeah, you're meant to have fun at that age. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you're still meant to have fun at this age, and I do a yeah. good job of that. Yeah, so, yeah. I think there comes a time where you've got to be serious, and, and, and then there comes a time. But if you can mix both of them, and yep. you can find, I know if, you, if you're happy with what you're doing, and, and you you always learn and trying to achieve whatever your goal is. I think when people set realistic goals to the mm. more achievable ones, and that it gives you more ammo to go to that next one. Yes. If you aim really high at the start and, you, and you, there's a hundred steps to get there, then it's never going to, it's not, you've got to tick off little milestones. Yeah. And I did, I probably should have done that maybe more when I was a little bit younger, but I did a pretty good job of it, I think. Yeah, so, it's good. Um, have fun. Um, just ha- take small steps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. So I, I, yeah, I did a pretty good job of it when I was a teen. So <laughs> <laughs> gave it a fair nudge. Mate, um, I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. So we're, we're heading over two hours now. Oh, you're joking. Yeah. yeah right. Goes quick, eh? Hey. Who do I invoice? This is the best deposition I've ever been in. <laughs> Sammy on uh, Saturday, mate, we um, we did a little oh, hour, 15 minutes, and he said it felt like 20 minutes. Yeah. It, 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 it just flies, hey? Yeah, it's good. Um, what's your favourite takeaway meal? Uh, Park your pizza at Londonderry. Yes, by far, and I think it's got a wrap, got a wrap on here before. Mm-hmm. Like Buffalo always gets a wrap. It's good. Yep. But that's your Sunday go to down there. So James Clark, good the family. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's uh, I, mean, I love that pizza. Oh, yeah. Aldo Pizza at McGrath Hill gives it a fairly good run. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because of the convenience at the moment, but like it, it is good. Yep. Real good. So nothing beats home. Nothing beats home. Yeah. Park that's it. Um, favorite all time movie. Top Gun. Yep. Yeah. You're gonna watch too. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be lining up at oh, it. We, we might not be even able to go to the movies. I think that they postponed a lot of those movies that were meant to be coming out now. Yeah. Because okay. they're all based on box office sales and things like that. Like yep. some have gone straight to your iTunes, you know, you can buy movies off iTunes. That, okay. So movies that were meant to be out now have all been postponed. So but what's gonna happen when they reopen movies yeah. is everyone 
Does everyone hurry back and then sit, you sit next to people in the same mm. situation again? Or it would be interesting to see if they do stage things out from yeah. a business point of view because you look Hollywood is a business. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, oh, there's so many unknowns, isn't there? Like straight away then I just thought automatically, yep, go and see that at the movies in July. I think it's out in July. It was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, it was, yeah. Who knows when now? Yeah, well, that's it. Think of all the people that lost money, all the popcorn makers and everything. <laughs> popcorn <Yeah>. makers. <laughs> <laughs> all the cool fruits and chopped up. They're all gone out of business as well. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, any elite talent or superpower you, you could have, what would it be? It'd have to be teleportation. It's, it's been brought up before, but mm. no traffic, go wherever you want. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be going to work anyway if you had teleportation. Time as well. Could you appear in another time? Or that'd, just, be, that'd be that'd be the go. Yeah, yeah. I'll be able to answer your question about the the, the uh, pyramids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, um, I like it, mate. Um, and if you're down to your last twenty bucks, and then it's all over, I how would you about spend this. it? When you say down to your last twenty dollars, does that mean I'm about to? I'm, I'm about to die and I've got yeah, three bucks left. Correct. But I thought about just maybe 20. I'm like, because that happened heaps of time in my teens. <laughs> I've got through it now. So I can't remember what I do with it. Uh, last uh, 20 bucks. Ex- once you spend that 20 bucks, you're expired. Yeah, right. So uh, it literally is your last supper. I'm, <laughs> I'm expired, right. Um, it would have to be a train ticket to maybe the somewhere on the beaches, like, or get off and just go to Manly or something. And then whatever I had left, you'd buy, I don't know. Chalk top? Nah, no, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Buy some popcorn and watch the sun go down. Nah, it'd be, oh, what would it be? Maybe just a tequila, some, some form of tequila and just, that's it, fade off into the distance. Yep, sounds that's good. It. Yeah, that'd be me. Mate, uh, well, yeah, state rail or um, New South Wales transport would probably to, take I'm, you 20 bucks to get to the- it, so. <laughs> I might have to, yeah, might be a down payment on before. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's it. Mate, um, well, that's it. Um, we'll, uh, I'm doing a, another podcast with Emily Rains on Saturday, which yep. will be her second one. So cool. eventually I want to get around and do a part two with everyone. So, mate. mate um, there's plenty more travel stories there for you. Yeah, yeah that's and that's huge. it. Like I was saying to a lot of people, you know, 26, 27, 28 years, 45 years, like it's hard to really go down rabbit holes and talk about someone's life in, in an hour or two hours. So oh, like, absolutely. There's so much more that you can explore and and stuff. So um, I think you'll even realise when we finish now, like, oh, I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to speak about that. But there's so there's so much to talk about on these things. Yeah, and for sure. So we'll do a part two again sometime. It'd be a good outro to have the, you know, the 60 minutes. Yeah. I need... I'm hitting it with the hard-hitting questions. I'm, <laughs> trying, I'm trying to learn how to, you know, edit things in and out. So, <laughs> yeah. And all of this is new to me as well, but it's... Just this raw conversation about someone's life, I love it, and it's yeah, um, it's good. I've listened to all, uh, all of them actually, and then you, it's good. You get an insight in other people's life outside of the gym. And you're like, yeah. oh, wow, they do that, like, yep. especially like the the nurses and, yeah. and, and and healthcare workers and things. You're like, oh wow, well, like yeah, not everyone just has a good day and yeah, things they deal with, and I think another perspective, which There's is good. Such a diverse range of people that come just here, and everyone's got a story to tell. Um, and you know so it's interesting of where people have been and what they've done in their life like i never knew you jumped out of a helicopter in switzerland yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's just good to hear about those things you know yeah some cool stuff i think yeah, yeah. everyone everyone tries to do a few more 
take a few more risks and do that. It makes for a better life. So. Yeah, 100%, brother. Mate, um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Counting on it. Thanks, guys. See you, mate.